Coming to you from high atop our studios in the San Francisco Bay Area, you're listening to Tech Move. This is episode 42. Today we bring you our coverage of NAB 2018 from Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm Rod Louie, and with me is Keith Moreau. Get ready. It's time for another exciting episode of Tech Move. Let's go! and gentlemen we are here with tech move episode number 42 and a very exhausted uh man about the town keith moreau is joining me i am rod louie on this uh tech move nab 2018 special edition <laughs> keith uh welcome back from las vegas welcome back from the nab show thanks rod yeah. uh uh, okay, so <laughs> in typical tech move fashion, which actually this is pretty good. We're actually going to hopefully release this episode within six months of the NAB <laughs> uh, concluding. So hopefully this, you'll you'll actually get this relatively fresh. But uh, Keith, t- tell me a little bit about uh, 2018. How was the show? Was, was it fantastic? Was it lackluster? Because in our last episode, if you recall, we weren't really too sure as to were there going to be any huge announcements or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and usually, there's a lot of teasing and a lot of uh, rumors before a show, and there there really wasn't much other than a couple, maybe like two days before, because before the actual show floor opens. Um, they have they start putting up the banners and things like that you know around the around the convention center right and uh there was one very intriguing uh banner from black magic design and that was the uh just just the top portion kind of like the hot shoe portion of a mysterious camera and oh. some kind of mysterious message about the new the new black magic pocket cinema camera 4k so, well, I mean, that pretty much describes what it is, but, <laughs> but you still, but, but you're not I mean, sure still really, you, you, you're still you, not you, sure what it looks like. Yeah. Really? You just know that it has, you, you don't know if it's some <clears throat> rebranded thing that you had before or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So, so, uh, that was, that was actually kind of an exciting thing. And by the time I actually got to black magic, I pretty much knew all about it, you know, cause I'd looked at the, a lot of the news feeds and things. And so I, I kind of knew, knew what it had in it. Um, but it was still kind of nice uh, holding it and talking to to the rep about it. Um, other than that, there wasn't for me. There wasn't a lot. I mean, there wasn't really a lot of exciting stuff. I mean, it was like Apple released uh, <laughs> ProRes RAW. <laughs> that was probably the second biggest news. Okay. It's like when a codec is like the biggest, <laughs> second biggest news of a show. You know, it's not a super exciting uh, show. That's great. But <laughs> and. Uh, so there's the way the 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 way it works. There's three different halls. the The north hall is just kind of more for bureaucracy. It's like all the show stuff. There's there's no vendors in there. 
It's just like for eating and meetings and the podcast and the studio they have and the press and stuff like that. The press room is the same, just as depressing as usual. I think they even removed the donuts, so it's even more depressing. <laughs> and, and there's always just people on their computers, you know, posting their stories or whatever they're doing. You know, they don't look very happy. Right. So we spent about 10 minutes there. <clears throat> but um, just got our badges and then... And then left. Tried tried the Wi-Fi. It didn't work, so just left. Oh, the Wi-Fi <laughs> did not work. They they have a special press Wi-Fi, and I, I could not connect to it. Probably because like because yeah, yeah. everybody's on it, right? <laughs> yeah, everybody's on it. There's 400 people in this room. They're all on it, you know. So it's not really that. Anyway, it doesn't. It didn't matter. Uh, so we just we just um, just kind of scoped out the show. We like to walk through the whole show first, just to see if anything catches our eye, mm-hmm. which. Probably isn't the most time efficient, but it's good exercise. Sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, you, you, you get to scout out at least who the vendors are. Yeah. And then if anything, you know, is something like shiny, you know, you kind of go towards that and it turns out to be a big, you know, LED panel company. Right. That you've never heard of and probably go to business in a year. But right. uh, <laughs> but for right. a second, they've attracted your attention. Right. Um, and then there's, you know, and then there's the stalwarts, the ones that, that uh, we've done before and and um <clears throat> so yeah so that wasn't it wasn't like a super exciting show with like wow this is so cool i want to get all this stuff mm-hmm. but it was kind of kind of in a way because we knew what we were doing it was more relaxed and it wasn't so crazy and it may be more fun in a way so. right uh, uh, and as far as uh, <clears throat> uh a lot of our listeners are concerned any new announcements uh, from Sony, Panasonic, anything like that? Um, let's see. Panasonic announced raw output for their EVA one. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I didn't do an interview with Panasonic. You know, I, I went. I went to all these different places, like the big ones, Panasonic, Sony, and Canon, because those are the big, the biggies, and Blackmagic. Um, and the only one that I thought was intriguing was the Blackmagic one. I, I, I thought the other ones were boring. Ah, I, I, okay. Yeah, I, th- I mean, Sony has the FS5 Mark II, which seems like it's they just put a two after after it, and that's what they did. <laughs> and then right. it might be better, but I don't. It's not something to jump and down about. Sure. And then Canon has the C700 FF or FF uh, C700, which we talked about in the last show. But it's just it's basically the same as the C700, which has been out forever, except it's full frame. Mm-hmm. So it, I mean, the camera literally looks the same. There's nothing different about it. Maybe maybe if you look through the, if you take off the lens and look that, that's different. <laughs> but other than that, it's not any different. So that was, and then looking through it, it's like talking, so, okay, this is full frame. So what do we get with full frame? Well, you get the larger sensor. And what yeah. else? Well, it's the same, but it's larger. Right. There's there's not much to talk about. So that wasn't too exciting. Right. And then, and then the EVA1, uh, I kind of know all about it and everybody knows about it already. It's, it's pretty cool. You know, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice camera. Um, it's definitely up there, you know, it's definitely competing, but I don't see, it's not, to me, it's not, it's not like super, super great. So, um, I did, there was a really interesting, um, setup they had though. They had, um, two or three EVA ones, um, that were pointed at this really super dark, it was in this dark tent booth and, uh, they were pointed at this dark scene with dark people in there. There's one, um, African-American lady and then a white guy. Mm-hmm. And they were both um, kind of talking to each other, so you can kind of turn up the gain on on the on the EVA one and see how you know how super it was in low light, right? You know? And but it was stupid because 
it's this 4K camera, and they have a, they have it four up on a 1080p monitor. So basically, <laughs> you're just looking at a little. I mean, it's a pretty big screen. It's like 24 inches, but then really all you're seeing is like a 10 inch screen. So and you can't tell anything from that, right? That's pretty much like looking at a little monitor on top of your camera to evaluate how how great the camera is. Right. So I just said, can you just remove the four up? It was like at the end of the show, so there wasn't wasn't a lot of people around, weren't a lot of people around, and and he said, uh, I don't think we can do that. I said, really, you can't just like change it to full screen at least. He said, well, it's 1080 anyway, so at least it's better than whatever we're seeing now, like you know, 480p. And he he fiddled with it, and they got it to work. He said, but this is going through all our processing, so it's being downsampled, so it's not a really good true true representation of the image. Uh huh. And and I said, well. I guess we get some idea of it. But it's kind of like, why have a demo like that unless you can actually prove that it's good? Absolutely. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I mean, th- th- then then it just seems like you're rushing it just to get to the show. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I looked at it, though, and I had them set, reset things, and I put it but to there's a high-gain mode in the EVA1, and I, I and I started looking into the shadows and said, what's that noise? This looks really patterny. It doesn't look good. He said, oh, that's just the wall, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> so maybe so, it's not ready for prime time. No, I think it is. I think that's just, it's, it's like if you're going to put your camera, if you're going to, like, advertise the fact that it's this amazing low-light thing, you better be prepared to back it up by people like me asking questions about how really how good is it in the light like right. how much noise does it have right so that that's all but it was actually pretty brave of them to do that and the camera's solid it's got it's it's a very well-made camera so that part's really cool it's not cheap so i don't think i'm gonna get one though but um it didn't do enough still, to sway you to get one no because i have too many other cameras that are similar I don't right and one more so um but but that was that was kind of interesting and then the Sony booth, not not too much interesting. They had super high-end cameras that they've announced in the last several months, and then nothing really new. So, so my A sixty seven hundred wasn't there. I didn't see that. No, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, but maybe maybe someday, maybe at the next Cinegear. Cinegear at, seems to be like a show that more announcements are being made. Okay. So yeah, well, and it'll be. A it, maybe it's where everybody wants to scout out what's happening at NAB, and then just say, you know what, we're going to do announce that Cinegear now because nothing happened. I, maybe for camera stuff, I think. I think for cam, I think because NAB is so broadcasting oriented, it's it's like two thirds of the show is broadcasting, and then maybe less than a third is filmmaking, and then the rest is software and stuff like that. So mm. it's not super. It's not focused on like what we specialize in in tech move right as much as as this huge industry right right yeah so but broadcasting is changing broadcasting is becoming more internet focused and things so it's it's kind of merging and but but still the cinema cameras aren't aren't, you know you like a broadcaster's just not going to grab a cinema camera and say yeah i'm gonna use this right so yeah and you know it's very interesting because of course i previewed some of our interview segments that we're going to be bringing to this episode of tech move and yeah. I think you're right. Uh, some some of our guests that we have are really centered around that whole broadcasting movement. Yeah. And uh, and so you know I think you're right. Uh, you know as far as it matters to the tech move universe, um, you know I mean you know some of these announcements are are great and stuff, but they they really are kind of like focused on on, on just the major broadcasters and and the the equipment that they use. Yeah, I think, and I think it has to do with money. You know, it has to do with how big is the market. The broadcasting market is immense. Um, you know, there's so many 
TV stations and, and stuff that's done live, live events, lots of YouTube and, and Facebook and all kinds of live things. And they don't need, they don't necessarily need or want cinema cameras. Right. They just slow them down. Right. So, so like for example, Black Magic, one of their big, biggest announcements was uh, kind of like a form factor of an Ursi Mini Pro, but with a two thirds inch sensor. Mm. So that you could put on those kind of lenses onto it that exist in that in that realm, and use all your old lenses and and get this nice new camera that's IP internet connected, so you can control it through the internet and all this stuff. So that's that's probably going to sell like five, five times as much as their 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 other cinema based cameras. Right. Stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, there you know, there's a market for that. So of oh course, yeah, you yeah. Know, they, you know, there's, there, uh, I, I guess it's kind of true because, you know, in Ursas are still selling pretty well and stuff like that. And, you know, with the, uh, with all the other smaller form factor cameras that are, that do very nice, uh, quality stuff, you know, Ursas are still out there, right? Yeah, they are. The Ursas are a really good deal for what they do. And the th- one claim to fame they have is they are very controllable by remote control. Like all the settings can be ported out through through an Ethernet port, mm-hmm. and not a lot of cameras are in that category. And that's just something they added, and it's really useful. Like like in our one of our last shows, Alex Lindsay says that's why he's buying all these Ursa Minis because they have this internet control. So they're really good for broadcasting and updating, and not having to be right at the camera to know what's going on. So. Yeah. Anyway. Well, you know, uh, again, uh, for those of you, ladies and gentlemen, who catch Tech Move on our audio podcast, uh, we're going to be bringing uh, some uh, interviews that Keith was able to secure uh, on the NAB floor. Uh, but also, uh, what is customary is that we also post them on our website, which is techmovepodcast.com. Uh, and uh, through other various uh, markets that we that we have, so uh, some of these videos, uh, we we encourage you to to find them and view them there because uh, some of these are like actual demos and stuff like that, so you can actually see some stuff and how they work. So uh, you know that's something to to look forward to. Uh, Keith, one other thing, uh, I thought that uh, the tech of tech move for the NAB uh, uh, had improved quite a bit. Uh, I, I noticed that uh, this time we didn't run out of hard drive space. We didn't, uh, you know, our microphone cables weren't too short. Uh, we, you know, the, the, the batteries that, that the, the nine volt batteries we usually try to run a city with actually held its own, so on and so forth. Uh, the tech of tech move was, was holding up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it held up pretty well. Um, so it held up because it was a combination of trust, trusty old technology, <laughs> trusty forty year old. Which you know, I love. <laughs> I I mean, that's why this microphone I'm I'm broadcasting to you on is is still my favorite. You know. <laughs> yeah, sometimes just the tried and true stuff works. So yes. same same microphone and and XLR cable, pretty much as last time. I tried to. I tried to use my AVX. Okay, so I got a new Sennheiser wireless transmission system. Okay. It's called the AVX series. And it's basically designed for idiots. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so perfect for tech move. So it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty, 
it's pretty foolproof. Although the very start, first time I brought it out on the field, I couldn't use it because I couldn't figure it out, <laughs> and then I had to just use another mic system. So not but, so um, idiot proof. No, unless you have the manual for the very first time to know just this very simple thing like you know hold and press to pair right. these two things because it's a digital system. In in the past, you had to it was other like my previous Sennheiser, you had to um, change the frequencies manually and then match them up and then they communicate. And and sometimes they were off and you'd have to spend time. This one's really cool because you just press one and then within a few seconds you press the other one and then they automatically find each other. Kind of like mm -hmm. Bluetooth. Mm -hmm. So um and the signal's really good and it's digital, so it's probably a little less prone to dropouts than the the past versions. And I really wanted to use it on the show and see how it worked. And it was just too kludgy because it doesn't come with a mic um it doesn't come with a mic uh dongle that you can stick on the end of a regular mic. Oh, okay. Yeah, it only they only have, sell their own mic, which I don't have because it's omnidirectional, at least in the kit, so it's useless at the show, um, meaning it would capture too much noise. Right. That's outside of the person I'm pointing it to. Right. And um, it, it, it would get a lot of that ambient stuff. That's, yeah. Uh, the, and on those shows, there's nothing but ambient noise. It's just so noisy there. It's incredible yeah. how quiet these recordings are because the mic I'm using is so directional. Right. It's it, great. It really yeah. is great. Yeah, but but the the mic that they supply isn't. You can buy a special capsule and all the stuff, and that's another six hundred dollars later. And I use it, you know, start like three times a year. So I'm not sure if it's worth it. And I I was I before like the the day before I was in the hotel room, kind of putting this audio system together and trying to get this to work to just prove it. And I wound up, you know, like gaff taping things onto the body pack transmitter, right, with an XLR adapter into it. <laughs> from the mic and I had this gaff tape like really ugly thing with wires <laughs> sticking on the end of the on, and I, but I had it working but then I realized that somehow with the antenna oriented in that best the least ugly configuration it was making some humming like the the, the mic was and the cable was somehow interacting with the transmitter and making some kind of hum uh -huh. and so for, for me to get, get rid of that hum I had to move it away from the mic and then, and then, where was I going to put this this thing, <laughs> this oh, little wow. body pack? Right. So I just said, forget it. This is just fraught. This is just recipe for disaster. Right. I'm just going to forget this and use the cable. And it, that was just the best decision ever. Yeah, I, I mean, it it, it, it sounds it sounds great. It it, it looks great. Uh, uh, I I, th I think it's it's perfect for uh, uh, for our application. Thanks. And then and then an upgrade. On on the visuals was a new iPad, so oh this nice last, yeah this this last about six months ago, when I was on my buying spree, one of the things I bought was a iPad Pro, the smaller version. Oh, not the twelve, not the twelve or fifteen that they have now or something like yeah, that. Yeah, not the huge right. Mac looking it's one. This enormous. this is still like an iPad. Yeah, this one's like an iPad, and I got the little. Um, I think smart it's keyboard. I, I think it's like a ten inch, right? I think that one's like a ten inch. Probably. I guess it's ten. It yeah. seems really close to the other one. It's right. like identical. So I guess it's ten. Maybe maybe like an eighth inch bigger right. than the last one. But right. uh, yeah, and I got the smart keyboard with it, which is really cool because it just kind of sticks on with magnets. Yeah, and then it also powers it. It's 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 almost like the way they uh, had those uh, smart covers for the iPads yeah. a while yeah. ago, right? I think it's called. I think they call it a smart cover keyboard or something. Yeah. Because it's a cover too, right? Um, and it turns into a keyboard, right? Um, very flexible, flicker. very flexible yeah. keyboard. Yeah, yeah, and it's not too thick. And and actually, the keys are good. I actually use it. I kind of use it in case instead of a 
instead of a um, computer sometimes. Right. So anyway, I brought that, and so that has the 4K camera on it, and so that's why the, the quality's better. And and then we had um, we had a tri we set up a small tripod instead of the monopod, which was way easier for Veronica, so she wouldn't have to hold it steady the whole time, which is really tiring. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then I put this I got this really high end selfie stick, which we got for other things, and I put the quick release on that, so that was like an extender to make the tripod higher. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that just clicked in. So it was like a two-piece thing, but it was pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And then if we wanted to use the selfie stick for other stuff, we could actually use that <laughs> as well. <laughs> so uh, just on its own. So yeah, it was it was a very portable setup. And this, you know, what's weird is like there's all these you wouldn't have, there's like these gigantic steady cam rigs with the big uh, telescoping like fishing poles over their yeah, shoulders, right? And they're counterweighted in the back, sure. and they basically they take up like as much space as a car, right? When we're walking around, and it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and they they look ridiculous, and everybody around them is avoiding them. You know, I mean, you're you're right. I mean, um, it's it's kind of funny because they look like they should be at the comic book convention doing cosplay. <laughs> yes. So you know, as as the alien from Aliens, you know, uh, yeah. That that that's yeah. I love uh, I love those looks. Yeah, and it's and it's just going to go on some YouTube downsampled, you right. know, really lousy looking yes. or Facebook, which is even worse. Right. And, and 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 they're doing they're going through all this work, and these guys are carrying like seventy pounds of stuff around, and they got assistance. They have assistance, yeah. like with the lights and everything. Yeah. And here here we are with our stupid little iPad <laughs> and a mic, and we get more. We actually nobody asks those guys questions because they're afraid. To, people are afraid to ask them questions but everybody's always coming up to veronica like in the middle of the shoot and like tapping her shoulder and saying what's that how are you doing that that's so cool what's right. going on right you know and, and a lot of t- one time she just ignored this person like for 30 minutes she just didn't answer him <laughs> she didn't even say anything and he was like he was like getting try- getting in front of her getting her attention and she just would not respond it was that's really great funny. that's great yeah, so <laughs> good excellent yeah. Well, so that's uh, the tech a tech move, pretty the, low tech. The, uh, <laughs> but you know what? The 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 low tech sometimes works better than all that mumbo jumbo. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> it's tried and true, like like we were talking about. That's why we're yep. recording this on half inch tape. I mean, you know, <laughs> can't get any better than half inch analog nope. tape. Half inch, uh, half inch is good. Right, five eighths is better, but <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't afford it, so. Half inch is good enough. <laughs> All right. Well, look, we, 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 we've got plenty to get to. Uh, why don't we take a break, reset, and let's bring up our first interview. And we will come back uh, with more coverage of the NAB 2018 right here on Tech Move. Right, it's Tech Move and our NAB 2018 special edition uh, with the uh, the one and only Rod Louie and the very uh, experienced Keith Moreau. Uh, Keith, uh, let's start off our interview segments right now 
I actually thought that this was a, a very uh, good uh, interview here uh, just because of our teaser that we talked about earlier on. Black Magic mm-hmm. Designs. They mm-hmm. have they have a new camera out. Yeah. And uh looks pretty interesting and judging by uh uh by the video, it looks like a pretty nice uh pretty nice looking camera. Any quick comments on that before we get to the interview? Uh quick comments. I think I'll reserve it for afterwards. Okay. But but I'll just talk a little bit. I'll just set it up about about how we actually got this interview. So the way that Black Magic works is there's a huge booth like a gigantic gigantic booth with dozens of products spread across them in little um display cases and then and then there's a whole bunch of cameras that are lined up aiming at things kind of along the edge and then there's a whole theater along one edge and then kind of to the side of the theater is this way to get to the back of the whole thing and in the back is where these interviews happen and so that's where the press goes to line up the interviews and i never i learned that calling ahead is worthless um, because they either lose you or you can't get there in time. So I just always just drop in and just say, can you fit me in? And then they usually do. This time was kind of crazy, though. I went there and they said, we don't have anything for three days. Oh, wow. So, wait, wait. Yeah. And, and that's pretty much the length of the show, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We were going to be gone before we hit, they had a slot. So, But they were nice, and they said, you know what? I think we do have a slot like in 20 minutes. Can you do it? And, and we were just at the scouting stage. We, we hadn't done any any interviews yet. And I, and I just said, yeah, let's do it. You know, let's make, make it work. So we waited there. We kind of set up behind there. There's like a little a little alley farther out from their main booth. But their main bo- their main kind of press area is pretty nice. It's carpeted. It has couches. And they actually have a, somebody manning an espresso kind of bar. So that was kind of cool. In fact, in the video, you can see the person manning it kind of like, you know. I saw him falling asleep in the back. Yeah, but yeah he's doing his iPhone. Because they didn't know if it was going to cost money. And so they were all <laughs> afraid to approach him. I think that everybody's been espressoed out there because I'm sure. uh, it's free. Sure. In fact, after it, we actually got some. Anyway, so, but the thing was, they were actually, Blackmagic themselves was filming some promos for themselves in the spot we were going to use. And they were using this camera, the this pocket, like the only one they have. Right. So, so we were waiting, Bob and, and, and Veronica and I were actually waiting for them to finish. And we waited like 15 minutes beyond our interview time mm-hmm. and so finally we just and they and they still took forever to just take down once they're even done and they were doing it in like mandarin or something because they're doing it in all these different languages so we just waited for them to stop and then we just set up and that's why the background is that kind of sports thing it's not the other background which is a bunch of black magic products yeah it, it, because, it, 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 it looked like just a big wallpaper still yeah it was and that was actually shooting away from the products because the crew was still kind of taking down and doing stuff in the other area so we just said let's just do this let's do it quick and so because bob had to do something else and do another interview right after that so that's that's a kind of the setup just to kind of paint a picture of how we got in there well great 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 well let's do this let's run the interview Mm -hmm. and uh so uh folks we'd like to present to you uh black magic designs and bob caniglia uh i believe that's his name Yep. Uh, I think it's Canelia. Canelia. Oh, so yeah. it's, it's silent G. Like, like Familia. Right, 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 right. Yeah, Great. So. Okay. Uh, Bob Canelia <laughs> from Black Magic <laughs> and our very own Keith Moreau. This is Technique. Hi, we're here with Bob of Black Magic Design. We're talking about uh, some, some kind of uh, interesting new announcement that Black Magic Design uh, has come out with, I think yesterday or today so why don't you tell us about it bob 
So this is the new Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 4K. So long awaited, uh, very anticipated, but here it is. And I think it's bigger and better than ever uh, that I think people will be really um, pleased with what we've done here. We have a camera that is capable of dual ISO, so native 400 and 3200 all the way up to 25,600, which gives it really good low light performance. It's got a micro four thirds mount, similar to the first one. Uh, records 4K up to 60 frames per second as well as 120 frames per second in HD, windowed. So it records RAW, ProRes. Uh, it has, um, you know, all the features that, that the original had, but even better in the sense like we have a five inch touchscreen here. So it's got the full uh, Blackmagic operating system for the cameras, so similar to Ursa Mini. Uh, you have the ability to um, record on CFast 2 cards as well as uh, USB, uh, US, uh, I mean SD cards, and it also has a, a new port on the side here that'll get USB-C out, so you can go to a small drive or even a RAID array, so you can do continuous recording for longer runs. What kind of battery does this use? So it uses the Canon L6 uh, that we have in some of the other products that we've been using, so you get about an hour worth of uh, operating, which is great. It also has um, uh, a mini XLR for uh, audio has four built-in microphones, but you can also it, this is phantom powered as well for the Mini XLR. Uh, it's still it has a full-size HDMI, which is uh, different than the original. Uh, it has a um, also still has a uh, headphone jack and a, and a, a 3.55 millimeter um, uh, uh, audio input too. Uh, and it is uh, made of a, a new um, space age uh, material. It's um, it's a uh, carbon fiber polycarbonate uh, body. This one is actually not a full production model, so the new, the next one will actually be a little uh, lighter, full production. Do you mind if I hold it? Yeah, sure. What do you think? It's not bad. It reminds me of um, the Quick Take 100 uh, from 25 years ago, as far as the size and stuff. But uh, let me see. How do we? How do we? Tapping, oh, okay. Zoom, you know, see what you're doing. That's pretty cool. You go in here. You can play with the different, um, you know, the, the different ISO settings. You tap here. We have uh, the iris, shutter, frame rate. If I hit high frame rate, uh -huh. it'll switch it to 60 frames per second. Turn it back. Not bad. Not bad. I like it. Yeah, I think that uh, a lot of people are very pleased to see it. It's been a lot of good buzz. It also takes stills. So again, another improvement from uh, what we had originally. And when are these coming out and how much are they? Right, so uh, September is our ship date. There, it's $1,295, but it also includes a full version of DaVinci Resolve. That's a pretty good deal, hard to pass up. Yeah, I think uh, this is a good package. On the uh, SD uh, card recording, does it, are there limitations to that? Right, so we have a list of what cards are suitable for what frame rates on our site for both CPAS and uh, SD. So similar to what we have in the Ursa Mini Pro where it has both, it has, uh, there, you know, we recommend certain um, uh, cards for certain uh, frame rates or file sizes. So same thing, all that information is on blackmagicdesign.com. Any off the top of your head, could I record RAW on SD cards? Uh, no, I don't think you. I don't think you can get uh, raw 4K on, uh, but you could do raw HD. Well, that's not bad. On um, maybe some version of ProRes that's pretty high bandwidth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
you can you can definitely get some 4K ProRes in here. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, boy, there's a lot of things in this camera, but I think that um, the one thing that I, I will say is that we put a lot in it, but then when you package it on top with the, with a full version of DaVinci Resolve Studio, you get a lot for 1295 that's for sure. You might as well just get this just for the DaVinci Resolve. That's right. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, we talked a little bit before off, off camera about the autofocus capability. It's pretty similar to the Ursa Minis. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you can hit the focus button and, and it'll, it'll focus for that instant. It's not like a follow focus, but yeah. Any other automatic features? Uh, well, you can, you know, there's white balance that you can hit a white balance button, your shuttle, your ISO, and then there's a wheel. So if I, if I hit the ISO, I can spin this wheel here on the front and that will uh, change it for me really easily pretty cool um, DC powering yep so uh, we have a um, we have a uh, uh, a mic you know this uh, power cord here is like a locking one so it's real real uh, you know an industry standard that we uh, we added in addition to the battery so it's good to have that backup well this is pretty cool I can't wait to actually buy one it's gonna be out in a few months right September September so in September, I'll be getting one of these. <laughs> Thanks so much, Bob. Thank you. Keith Moreau signing off for Tech Move. All right, that's Bob Canilia with Black Magic and our very own Keith Moreau right here on the Tech Move NAB 2018 uh, show recap. And uh, Keith, the Black Magic. Uh, what do we call it? Uh, Pocket Cinema 4K camera. Uh, I I thought you were a bit smitten with the camera. I thought you kind of liked it a little bit. Uh, now that you're away from all the hubbub and stuff mm -hmm. like that, and not wanting to hurt his feelings, <laughs> t t t t tell me tell me your real real feeling about the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema 4K. Well, I think that um, the capabilities of the actually do pan out are are pretty amazing for the price point you know i it's kind of it seems to me pretty much like a micro four thirds version of the of the uh the mini there are some mini in my opinion you know with the codecs and all the capabilities and etc so that part's really cool you know having the capabilities in, in a micro four thirds sensor of of the of the mini is kind of amazing you know the, the the raw recording, the potential for high bit ProRes, pro the large, uh, very large display on the back, which is about the same as the Ursa Mini, which is kind of amazing. It's a really gigantic display on the back of this thing. Um, so all those things, all the capabilities are pretty huge. I think they're going to sell tons for what thirteen hundred bucks. Yeah, twelve twelve thirteen hundred bucks. It's, yeah, it's amazing. You know that you can get something of this capability as long as the image is good. It's just like a no-brainer, and you get um, the studio version of of DaVinci Resolve. Yes. So that part's pretty cool. Huge, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Thirteen hundred bucks. Uh, I think it's going to be available sometime in September. That's that's what we're thinking about. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. About right. That. Right. Exactly. <laughs> the, 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 the wishful thinking. Uh, you know, the thing does what dual ISO. Yeah, that's an interesting thing that, that I guess I, I just heard about it in the Panasonic cameras, but now I guess Blackmagic is also doing that. Maybe they're even using the same type of sensor. I don't know. The same yeah. brand. Yeah. 
of um, five inch touchscreen. Was it pretty? Yeah. Re- I, 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 in the video, you kind of get to mess around with it. Was it very responsive, or because um, I kind of noticed that you had a pretty nice reaction to the touchscreen? Uh, uh, was that just for show, or was it actually a, a pretty good one? I was just just for show. No, uh, the the <laughs> it's hard to tell in you know a couple seconds, right? Um, but but it, it looked kind of like an Ursa Mini touchscreen. I've got an Ursa Mini, so it's kind of like that screen. It's nice. It's big. It's responsive. Um, I don't know how bright it is. Um, kind of if 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 that's all it has uh, when you're outside. I don't even remember. Does it even have an EVF? I can't even remember. Uh, uh, you can see know. it on the picture. Yeah. Um, hopefully it does have one because that thing's probably going to get really washed out outside. Um, a couple of things that I thought were uh, capability wise, it's awesome. It's got all kinds of stuff on it. Um, of course it doesn't have any real, really, well, it has one shot autofocus. So that, that part's okay. I mean, this is the kind of camera I would just probably set and forget, you know? Right. Um, the battery life probably pretty low because it just uses an E6 type battery, which is just the just like the standard Canon batteries. Standard Canon batteries, right. Exactly. Yeah, which don't last very long. Um, they should last longer, but they don't. And um, and I guess I guess the design is kind of weird, but I think that Blackmagic cameras and just in general are kind of odd looking. Um, you know, they just have angles and things like that. They kind of remind me of like, I don't know. They, they remind me of um, the Star Trek Next Generation um, design theme for alien uh alien worlds mm. alien cultures <laughs> yeah right but uh c- crossed with uh game of thrones something like that so <laughs> <laughs> but but it's okay you know it doesn't matter what it looks like cuz it's just a camera um so yeah i like it i'm probably going to get it it's a, kind of a no brainer to purchase it you know if you well, get well, high... what's what's the difference between something like that and your gh5 you know, in in a way that I think the GS5 is more refined, but I think probably this camera, well, this camera can record raw if you care about that. Mm-hmm. Um, this camera has probably has more real dynamic range because of that, um, and it can reco- record ProRes uh, as well right on the camera. Um, but in actuality, until we actually see it and compare it, it's probably not a huge difference. Mm-hmm. It's probably more like a GH5S. Okay. So, so if you got if you got a GH5S, you're probably getting something pretty similar to this, other than the fact that it doesn't do raw uh, recording. Um, but the GH5S has a pretty high bitrate internal recording, uh, 400 megabits. So, and it does, it doesn't have raw out, but um, it can get pretty close. So, if you need raw, you have no choice. You have to get this camera for this small form factor. So, I hear a phone. Yep. Just ripped out the phone line out of my <laughs> wall. Thank you. Uh, anyway, anyway, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's, I think they're going to sell like hotcakes. I think it's got all the, it's, it's a little bit, quite a bit bigger than the original pocket cinema camera, but right. pro- probably quite a bit more useful. So there, there was one, there was one part of the interview that I thought maybe wasn't going to be pleasing to a lot of our listeners, <laughs> and that was uh, about only certain cards are going to be able to record certain frame rates. 
Yeah. Is is um, that a big disappointment? Is uh, you know, or is that kind of normal? I think that that's pretty normal with SDHC cards or, or SDXC cards. They can only record so fast, or maybe the reader in the in the unit is only of a certain speed. Mm-hmm. So pretty typical. That's I believe that's the case with their other cameras as well. So it's got the same limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, they have they have a couple. Um, they have a couple uh, re- recorders and, and cameras that kind of have those limitations as well. So I wasn't too, wasn't too uh, worried about that. Okay. Um, you know, as long as I can, if I could record some flavor of high bitrate ProRes on it, that would be really cool on just SDH cards. And and I do have a bunch of CFast cards now, so I'm not too worried about that either. And yeah. it, it, go over a little bit about this DaVinci Resolve. I mean, like, oh, how, yeah. how, how, how much how much is that version that they're kind of throwing in with the with the uh, camera? Well, it used to be like twelve hundred dollars, but I think it's three hundred dollars now. And in fact, the free version is useful enough where most people don't even need the studio version. So, in a way, it's not really that valuable. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. It's 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 only so the studio version. I don't know the exact uh, specs and limitations, but basically, you know how you can use um, CUDA and, and and video cards, yes, to, uh, for extra processing. There's there's only a certain number of cards you can employ with the free version of DaVinci Resolve. So if you have a lot of if you have a huge rendering requirement and you want to like stack like five five of these uh, NVIDIA cards in your in your PC or whatever mm-hmm. uh, your expansion bus expansion box um you can only i think you won't be able to support that many with a free version um with the studio version i think it's somewhat unlimited so potential for better rendering and faster performance is is there in actuality i don't think a lot of people really need it right fabulous then it's just a little added bonus just for fun yeah it is it is terrific terrific all right great well that is uh of course black magic and uh, we had another uh, little exclusive there. Thank you, Keith, uh, for Welcome. that. Welcome. Pre- pre- appreciate that. We'll be looking for that Blackmagic Pocket Cinema 4K, hopefully around September. And uh, so we'll uh, stay tuned, kids, because uh, you know Keith will have one in his hot little hands uh, sometime after uh, the release date, and we'll give you a little rundown on how it works and all that kind of good stuff, right? Yep. So, uh, Okay. Let's uh, take a minute here, and we're going to come back with our next episode, our continuing coverage of NAB 2018. Is uh, more of that stuff coming up here right on Tech Move. All right, it's Tech Move and our continuing coverage of NAB 2018. Uh, Keith, you were uh, lucky enough, I'm not, and I'm going to call it lucky, to uh, get the... I, 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 he's the inventor of uh, this uh, of this contraption. We're going to call the Easy Rig, yeah. and he's got uh, a, a, a few things uh, that he's going to talk about uh, when you uh, when you interview him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Easy, and the gentleman's name is Johan Helster, I believe. I, yeah, I didn't even know his last name. Johan Helsten. Helsten is the is okay. the last name. Yeah. And uh, uh uh and and you'll you'll be able to tell he's from Sweden and uh, it's, uh <laughs> Hey, Keith, the, the the interview speaks for itself. 
it does speak for itself. I just want to set it up a little bit. Go ahead. So, so I knew I wanted to interview him because I actually have an easy rig. I got one, and after on our outro segment for this, I'm just going to talk about like what I feel about it. Um, but the, what's really funny is that we were just walking kind of in the general direction of the easy rig booth, and I saw him, and I said, "That's the guy," because he's very recognizable. I said, "That's the guy I want to interview for easy rig." Well, with the contraption he has strapped on his back, yeah. how can you not be? Well, he actually he actually didn't have the contraption. He was just like walking around. So, um, so it was really weird because I, we were just walking towards his booth, and we left him back there. Right. And we felt like, well, if we didn't get him, we get somebody else there because I talked to somebody else who was really knowledgeable. Yeah, and they're all really nice. The Swedish people are very nice. And so, um, but on the way to his booth, he actually ran up to Veronica, and just said, "Are you a camera woman?" Right. And because he saw her holding the tripod and stuff and some gear and with me and stuff. And there's and the thing, too, is that at NEB and pr- probably all these tech shows, there's like one woman for every thousand men. Right? Sure. So <laughs> sure. Exactly. So she really especially somebody who's kind of doing stuff with right. the cameras. And things, oh, yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah, not yeah. marketing people. Sure, sure. So so she I think she she gets attention because of that. So it was so funny, and then he came up to her, and he says, are you, and she said, yeah, and then I said, and we're going to interview you in a second, so just, let's go back right now, and that's how we got to the interview, <laughs> so. Well, and, 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 okay, so, so, and, and then also in, uh, in, in, you know, previewing the interview, not only do we get Johan, uh, but we also get his <laughs> daughter, Rebecca. Yes. <laughs> and then he also drags some other guy named Bob Scott, Oh yeah, Bob Scott. He's actually a a, a named cinematographer. Yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty up there. Yeah. Uh, but but I mean, I I I don't know if he got him at the, out of the hot dog line or whatever. <laughs> but he essentially tackles poor Bob and yes. insists on promoting the uh, Easy Rig family. So yes. uh, it's it's quite it's quite the thing. Let's let, let's roll the interview. Okay. And uh, the the listening audience, the viewing audience, can judge on their own uh, what they what they thought of it. And uh, I actually thought it was fantastic, but hey, I'm biased. So <laughs> here we are, uh, Easy Rig, uh, being interviewed by our very own Keith Moreau on the NAB floor, uh, 2018, right here on Tech Move. So hi, Johan. I think you're famous from uh, from the internet. Aha! Yeah, more or less a little. Uh, the pizza man. Yeah, uh, my neighbor. Yeah, your neighbor, the pizza man. He. Uh, we're not sure exactly what happened to the pizza man. We think maybe later he actually uh, cracked through the uh, two by four. But. Uh. Yeah, yeah. He was showing off the quick release, and the quick release is this. Then I thought, is the quick release strong enough uh, to hold all the cameras worldwide? So I call up in the, my neighbor. We call him the pizza man because he is a big guy. And then... He doesn't deliver pizzas. No. He has been big boss. Uh, and he hang on my gear. And you need to go into my Instagram to look up the pizza man. So it's Instagram.com easyrig. Yeah, and now, so it's good enough for the pizza man. And now, we, let's see my daughter. Yeah, here Rebecca has my second top secret. That was the first top secret. Rebecca, show off the, the Lady West Gimbal Flex West. 
Yeah. So this is the Gimbal Flex vest. What it does, it's uh, unisex, but it's uh, kind of made for women. Take the mic microphone. I need to get other people. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh okay. Uh, so kind of made for women. Uh, it has um, Velcro on both sides here. So I can make it very custom fit. And you also have the straps here and here. And what makes it a gimbal is just that it counterweights, counterbalances. So if I were to have a gimbal, that's so much weight out here that it counterbalances. Um, and it's just a great fit for any, any, uh, both women and men. Are you, are you a camera person or are you a model? I'm not a model or a camera person, but I did design the vest. I did design the vest, so. So you're a designer. I would like the viewer to meet my one of my own old guys that use my gear. This my is old guys. One of my own <laughs> old users. He has been shooting 12 Olympics. And I tell you what, 12 Olympics, that's long, much. So Bob, tell, tell the Americans about, is it good or bad? Uh, this has made me a cameraman for at least 15 more years than I would have survived, believe me. Uh, my spine, before I used this, was all over the place, and now, now it's straightening back out because the, the, the weight's no longer pushing this way down. It's just on my hips. So I love this rig. I love this man right here. And, and, and Bob Scott is my local cameraman, Florida. So I have different cameraman all over US also all over the world let's see I go and get the third top secret product thank you Bob thank you. so, so uh, what do you what do you do I'm a cinematographer uh, started my career out in sports so a lot of handheld and uh, documentary style stuff and then that transitioned into more uh, action and and uh, sports films, uh, feature films, so a lot of second unit stuff, and um, continue to do a lot of handheld. But that's my uh, that's my number one tool that I go to, and uh, it's worked out great. And, and you know, the mad scientist here has uh, improved it over and over and over again, and it's it's awesome. I love this product because it's it's common sense and it's very simple, and uh, you know. Johan had a problem that, you know, and he, uh, you know, was working. I mean, he told me the story about how he was working on a sports thing and tried to figure out how can I hold this camera all day long. And he looked up to the ceiling and he said, hmm, let me think. If I run a cable and put it on the camera, I can just kind of do this. Well, how can I do that? And there it is. There's the invention. It's brilliant. And now you will see the third top secret thing I have. Uh, for this NAB. This is the line guard. When you are shooting with the Serene, it's far out. Camera is far out. So it brings camera into your shoulder. That's it. It's easy. And now number four. Yes, Robert. Robert, when it's raining, it's a problem. It's a problem. But, 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 but it could also be a problem with the sun for your viewer. So you look, he's protected from the rain and from the sun. Yeah, so that's the fourth thing. So come over to NAB and we are close to Sony booth to check it out. Thank you, Johan. Tell me a little bit about your history. 
uh, I have been cameraman since military duty in Sweden and I was employed as a sound guy five years but I my school was education was uh, camera so then after five years I become a cameraman and I've been cameraman for Swedish television 30 years do you still do the work uh, I tell you I need to stop doing camera work because of my company. My company has grown because there is a lot of cameramen worldwide. So that means I get, give up the camera career to help the cameraman. Yeah. So when was the last time you did your professional camera work? Uh, uh, two hours ago. <laughs> because I need to shoot all, all, like Bob here, I will go out shoot him. For, for, for the for the for the uh, Instagram and Facebook and you need to see the pizza man ah you remember is it strong enough for the American cameras yeah go to Instagram and check it out thank you thank you Jan. bye bye oops okay that was oh that was, he's back yeah <laughs> ah do you still on we're still on ah uh -huh. It's okay. Keep going. Uh, we, love it. we love it. Should I do? Yeah. Oh, give me some hint. Give me some hints about how to use this. I have one. Give me some hints. Yes. So it's you need the handle with a screw like like three eight. And just push, get get it there, and then like that. That's is so easy. So you have an easy rig. I have the, the cheap one. I have, I have the Mini Max. That's a, that's not it, it's cost effective because your camera weight is less than 15 pounds. That's correct. I, I have a little bit smaller rig than this. Yeah, you are clever. <laughs> yeah, that's super good and that is so good because it can't break because inside we have a mechanism that prevents from breaking uh, so it will re release down to 15 pounds if you try to put on a 30 pounds camera like this onto it, then it will automatically go down. And also, we have the conical wheel. So that means same power here and here. Otherwise, with a um, uh, feather, it would be harder, 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 if you understand. So we're talking about the spring. Uh, the old spring break. Now, never break. Automatically go down to 15 pounds. Very good. Very good. So okay. So show show me about other than this, which you showed me. Show me about some hints about how to use this thing. Just yeah. just quickly. Yeah. Hold camera steady, and then uh, you are not. As long as you are standing still with your feet, you are smooth. You could boot smooth, but when you are starting walking, it's not a steady cam. But this was made for this. It was made for shoulder shots, working hours after hours doing interviews. For me, I don't wear any, I don't use tripod unless it's a house far away. So I need to be standing still. As long as it's people in the picture, just go on the Easter egg. So I use tripod twice a year and the, the rest of it I use the easy rig. So it's a quick, easy, uh, and fast. 
Do you find going from the shoulder to the front easier? Do you need to maybe mount this thing closer to the front? How do you do this? Yes, swing out and camera goes down. And then swing back up. And it's not made for booming, but some cameramen do booming as well. What's the most famous uh, film that you shot this with, you personally? Ah, uh, uh, at the Swedish television. It was a one-hour documentary about homeless people in, in Scandinavia. Yeah. The, Is it, can I see it? It's an old one. <laughs> the, 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 the last year I worked for the news to be able to sleep back home. Oh, okay. So that's why, because otherwise cameraman traveled. But because of my company, I need to be able to sleep back home. Got it. So are you this crazy at home? <laughs> I, I will be the same, but not so much action. It will be more action when you are on the show. Okay. You need to do action. And don't forget, look at the pizza man. We'll find the pizza man yeah. and we'll show that. And you know, they told me, is the pizza man coming? At what time will he test your unit? It, will it be 10 o'clock or 11? <laughs> but the pizza man is not around. Every Wednesday, I take on my skis, ski down to our sauna in our village, and there you meet the pizza man. He is in the sauna. The boys get to, uh, together in the village. The pizza man, is, his reputation precedes him. Thank you very much, Johan. Well, this is Keith Moreau with Tech Move. We've interviewed the crazy Johan from Easy Rig and uh, we got a couple hints, but mostly we found out about the pizza man and uh, we met a couple cinematographers. So thank you very much. This is Keith Moreau signing off for Tech Move. Um, you know, I really don't know what to say. <laughs> uh, well, I'll say this. Uh, that was Johan Helston from Easy Rig. You are Keith Moreau. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, um, it was like me. It was like me corralling cats. That's well, what that interview was. The, the thing that was fantastic <laughs> was that I was ready to call uh, security <laughs> on your behalf the way he was pretty much grabbing the mic out of your hand to pretty much talk to anybody that we didn't want to talk to. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's a funny guy. But, but he was terrific. He was terrific. Yeah. Johan, mm -hmm. thank you very much. And we also want to thank Rebecca's daughter and that poor uh soul uh Bob Scott who uh didn't know he was going to be uh held hostage by Johan to speak with us, but it actually was uh, quite a ringing endorsement. Uh, Keith, let's talk about the not only the easy rig, but let's also talk a little bit about uh, the gimbal flex vest that uh, Rebecca introduced. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, I, and I also want to call it the line guard and then the ever special uh, uh, easy rig umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So when I first saw the easy rig, I just said, there's no way I'm ever going to buy one of those. That is so ridiculous. I'm just going to look like a fool right. whenever I put that on. And I don't care if it's actually useful. It's not going to use it. Right. So, But last year, I actually bought one. Of course you did. <laughs> yeah. 
Of course. And, and this is after trying this other one called the Ready Rig, which I liked a lot. But the Ready Rig is more, in a way, more obtrusive than the Easy Rig. The Easy Rig is not the small version that doesn't have all the extra stuff, and you're using a small camera. It's not that apparent that that you you have it on, um, unless you start getting adding all these things. So in actuality, it's it's a little bit. It's not too obtrusive. It's less obtrusive than, for example, a two-handed two-handed gimbal. You know, you're just, so and it does relieve a lot of the weight off your off your off your arms when you're carrying a camera in front of you especially. So that's why I like it. I haven't used it a ton, but I, I have used it a couple times and it's helped. So um and I was trying to I actually I not in this interview but previously when we'd been, we'd been scouting I talked to another of the guys there and he told me gave me some hints about how to use it even better. And so that's that's pretty cool. Um so that's just my, my little spiel about the, the easy rig. It's it doesn't look cool but it really saves your your arms and your and your your back because you don't have to put a lot of extra strain on your back. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, it looks like it's well thought out and uh, and can uh, you know allow you to you know go hours with with filming something without you know having to hold it up. But uh, it also looks like you're auditioning for Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> um, Especially the umbrella version, right? That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But, but honestly, you, you look ridiculous. But I bet if you're out in the hot sun or in the rain, yeah, you love it. I'm you're sure. the cameraman. Oh, you I'm, know, sure. And, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, and it's I'm sure. And it's. it's I kind just of, wouldn't care. I would just call off the shoot. That's what I would do. <laughs> I would just say, forget it. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. It's raining. It's going to mess up my hair. Forget it. I need yeah, to do that, it. And then, so the what? And then what? Rebecca's daughter was displaying was kind of their new model, which is like a female version of it. So it kind of yeah. Even even though I the, think they were really trying to say that it's kind of unisex, but uh, uh, but it is you know with 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 the woman in mind, uh, yeah. So that you know she could handle uh you know equipment for long periods of time. Yeah, I think they probably had a few women operators that complained about the design of the original because it just meant women were just not considered in it. And so they came out with this one, and that makes a lot of sense. So, um, yeah, and she she was really nice. Actually, everybody in that whole company is really super nice. All the Swedish people are really lovely people. So, um, yeah, so I, I love that interview. It was crazy. It was fun. It was everything I hoped for, you know. And uh, I'm I'm really glad I had a chance to. Johan Helston of Easy Rig, uh, probably. And, and folks, this is one that's. One of the interviews, you guys need to go uh, go to our website and see the video because because <laughs> because this one is good. So yeah, all right, Thank fantastic. You. That's the uh, that's the easy rig. Uh, Johan Helston again, along with our very own Keith Moreau. Uh, we're going to come back with our continuing coverage of NEB 2018 right here on Techno. Well, we have another special guest here on our continuing coverage of the NAB 2018. Uh, we have the fine folks from Hoodman. And uh, Keith, this is a company that you've been uh, uh, been with, kind of doing, uh, purchasing a lot of things, uh, been in contact with them uh, over the, uh, the life of TechMove, frankly. And uh, Hoodman is back again. Tell us a little bit about your experience with Hoodman. Um, I think I recorded Hoodman maybe even the first NAB and uh, that I attended. 
a few years ago and like 2015 maybe. Yep. Um, and uh, that was probably uh, back on episode 20 maybe. <laughs> Just kidding. 20, 30. <laughs> At least a couple episodes back. Right, exactly. But, if it, especially um, if it was many, many <laughs> moons ago. Go on. Uh, but what? Uh, what I like to I like to go to um, companies that actually have their stuff, so I can so I can talk about their stuff and some of the maybe some of the good and the bad things I I, I like about their products. Ask them if there's going to be upgrades or whatever. But I found so we found these guys and I had no idea, you know the personalities involved and they're not a huge company, you know, they're not like corporate or anything. They're just, a, they're a couple, a few brothers and a marketing guy. And that's the company. That's what I was going to say. They, yeah. I, I remember the last time they seemed like a very kind of like family company. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Family company. I think there's two or three brothers. I'm not sure. And, um, but they're always, <laughs> they're always wondering like how we could possibly talk this long about, Hoodman stuff and we're you know we're like laughing and doing all this crazy stuff and they're just kind of looking at us strangely as we continue on um the other two brothers right. uh the other two members and um but anyway uh yeah it just turns out that we just have this kind of comic thing going on me and me and uh, bob so you know kind of like you and me i kind of just kind of riff off him and he riffs off me and so it's it's kind of a fun time we've got this comedic relationship and <laughs> So, so it's always fun to just go there, even if there's nothing to talk about. And, and this time there was almost nothing to talk about, but we found something, <laughs> a new product. <laughs> well, well, that, that sounds, uh, well, I can't wait to get to this interview. Let's, uh, let's roll the tape. And uh, we, we have uh, from Hoodman, our representative, Bob Schmidt, and our very own Keith Moreau, uh, interviewing uh, from the floor of NAB 2018. And uh, let's take it away right here on Tech Move. What do you like? All right. All right. Are we, are we ready? We're recording now? Okay. So this is Keith Merrill here with Tech Move, NEB 2018. We're actually in one of our favorite companies booth, and we have one of our favorite people here, Bob Schmidt of Hoodman. Hi, Bob. Hello, Keith. Welcome. So, Bob, um, we asked you... Uh, what was new and exciting this year from Hoodman. So tell us about it. What we're showcasing this year, Keith, is our new drone flight zone tape. So what it does is it has the tape that you would normally see at a caution tape, but we've created it where it's specific, specifically for drone flight zones. So let's say you come into an area where you need to, you have a lot of people around, you want to be able to segre, segre, or just eliminate all the people around the area. You want to be able to put this down and surround it with the drone tape. I'm not doing this very well. No, no, it's, it's, it's fine. So, so um, now how does this, now what's special about this? <laughs> what's, what's special about this tape versus just regular regular caution tape so your normal caution tape first of all the thickness of it the mill this is four millimeter most of your caution tape is two millimeter I don't think it's four millimeter it's four mils right four mil sorry four millimeter would be like this would be like this thick it would be it wouldn't be caution tape it would be it would be it would be caution planks <laughs> but we, we get you <laughs> okay I can't even respond to that right now but 
The caution tape is four mil. You're absolutely right. Where the others is two mil. But what's really interesting about it is the fact that we have a drone flight zone designation on it. So as it gets brought around four corners of cones, it blocks off your landing area. So no one kind of just like strolls in and gets hurt or injured or well, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> we can't we can't keep them from getting injured, but yeah. it lessens the possibility. Yeah. You may have to cut that out. <laughs> Don't leave that. But in. Bob Schmidt has promised on live TV that nobody will, will ever be injured. Hurt. There will be no there will be no injuries. In fact, we use this in all situations, not just drone flights, but I dangerous. My house. So on my pathway to a. Uh, <laughs> Another room, but and, this, and this has been insured by major insurance companies. It's been approved. They're, they're all saying as long as you use the Hoodman caution tape, you have no liability. Jeez. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> okay, forget all that. All right. Let's talk about the, 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 real, the real usefulness of this tape. Okay. You're in an area. It's just to delineate your drone area, your flight zone. Is going to be in a certain area, whether it's in a public place, private place, wherever it's going to be, you want to let people know that, hey, you're flying a drone here and that something... <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> you're flying a drone and... sandwiches, please. You're flying a drone here and... So now this you're at a point where the drone tape can be quickly affixed around a perimeter around an area where you may be flying in that you may not want people around. So you put this up as another piece of, hey, I'm here, I'm a drone. So give us um, a, a, a real world situation, like how much tape would you use, how big of an area, et cetera. I would say depending on the size of a drone you're flying, like an Inspire, you could probably get away with a 20 by 20 by 20 square area that you would cordon off with your cones and with your drone tape with the clip that we designed that goes in the top of a, the cone and holds it there. <laughs> Woo! Yeah! Wait a second. You yeah, actually... Bane. You actually... <laughs> you actually designed yes. a special spring-loaded spring clip. spring-loaded is a unique piece, one-in-a-kind of Hoodman design. Have you patented it? No. We don't patent anything anymore. We come up with ideas so frequently and so fast and the industry changes so fast, we don't care. Knock us off. If anything, they're going to always rise back and go to the original product, Hoodman. You like that? I love that. Tell Catch up. We're not Apple, man. We just, we just keep moving forward. Something comes out, you just keep going. Tell me about the spring. What's so special about the spring? The spring gives the drone tape a place to live. If you see it here, it's nestled in between two pieces of wire that have spring tension on them. So once it's in there, I'm just gonna quickly show you, it's in there, you slide down, it's, it's captured. So now when the wind picks up or anything picks up, this thing is stuck. It's gonna stay there where you want it, when you want it. Let's say you wanna put it into a knot in a tree. You can do that, boom. You like that? I like that. Put it into a ground, a crack in the ground. Yeah. Put it anywhere, you could put it on somebody's car. <laughs> in the exhaust pipe. You could put it in a... You could put it in the little crack if they've cracked their window. That's right. Like a kind of a drive-through tray, so to speak. Or a drive-up window. Or you could just have somebody hold it. You could. Oh, you could clip it on somebody. Put it in their ear. <laughs> oh, that's weird. <laughs> There's so many uses for these clips. These clips are going to go far. And what's going to happen is wait till we get to the construction industry. 
Oh, I shouldn't tell people that. Woo! It's going to be huge. Brisbane. You heard it here. A lot of infrastructure happening in Brisbane right now. A lot of redoing of roads, streets, pavement. That's where this is going to come in. Whoa. If only that weren't true. But that's another story. <laughs> Do you guys what? No, no, they still need the cones. The cones are still part of the use. Sal Solomon, how are you, sir? He's, he's my buyer at B&H. So this is it here. I should say hi to him. Okay. We're going to pause here while Bob says hi to one of his biggest customers, B&H Photo. They're actually over there talking for a minute. It's uh, Sal Solomon. And uh, they're talking, and they're talking about how many orders of the clips and the drone caution tape they're going to be buying. So we'll be right back. This is play-by-play. It looks like they're in a heavy bargaining session. Looks like it's going well for Bob. They're up. Looks like there's a little snag in their negotiations. But they're looking pretty good. Bob's doing pretty well. He's a very shrewd negotiator. They're smiling. This is a good sign. <laughs> I think we're gonna have to edit this. <laughs> I'm just gonna do a scenario here. Yeah, I'm. I'm just gonna do a scenario. Yeah. Okay. So here I'm a. I'm just like an average person, just walking, taking, walking my dog, and I'm gonna walk my dog, and I'm walking, 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 and then I. Oh wait, what's this? Stand clear. Drones. I look up, and I and I save myself. Drone caution tape. It's very useful. Very very useful. So no 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 worries. I actually did a demonstration of the drone. I did a little reenactment. Oh, cool. it, please please. I did a little reenactment. I also did a play by play of your negotiations with B and H. Wow. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. You know why? I can't tell you. Because they ordered like fifty. Oh, yeah, no, no, they ordered, ordered tons of stuff. Okay. They're the biggest dealer in the country in the world. I know. I love them. I order everything from them. You should. In fact, I ordered one of those Hoodman landing things. Really? Yeah, I did. I ordered one. Well, that's very noble six months of you. So you yeah. didn't hit me up for one for no charge. That's pretty cool. No, I went. I that's went, not how you roll. No, I, I want to support you. That's cool. And I'm going to be Appreciate buying. That. I'm going to be buying fifty rolls of the caution tape in a minute. The caution tape is just, you know, it's kind of heavy, though, so we'd have to ship it. That's going to cost me some money. Caution tape, shh, don't say that. It's very light. When you do four millimeter, it gets very heavy. So this is four mil- millimeter in life. Tell me. <laughs> four, four millimeter. Well, <laughs> this is... This is ten inches. No, this is wow. Four, you're four. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. So, is this person in our shot or no? No. Okay. Oh, kind of looking green I'm I'm photographing the Hoodman booth. Okay. <laughs> Here we no, go. No, the tape. First time. This is the first time the world's seen it, and I will say this: people are impressed, and I think they're willing to pick it up and use it. I mean, which is good because a lot of times you don't know, right? This is a this is a litmus litmus test. Whew, I'm out of breath. Damn. So so actually, is this actually the premiere of the tape? This is the premiere of the Bob's Beauty Pageant. 
Well, that's where we're going with this. See, we, we've gone off the drone deep end, right? The deep end is giving us this situation where everything else doesn't matter anymore. As long as you're wrapped in drone tape, you're going to be fine. Earthquake, forget it. Don't worry about it. Drone tape. Car breaks down, drone tape. Keep running with this. Honestly, I, I feel like... Moped breaks down, drone tape. I feel like people kind of ignore police barriers, but they're, they're not going to ignore the drone tape barrier. I don't think they will. I think it'll... The, the pads themselves are, let alone, enough warning. Like, hey, not warning, just, hey, we're, we're doing something here. This is going to put us over the edge. This is awesome. So, now, and also, if you happen to just need some kind of, some type of uh, rope or something like that, something to fasten, so, oh, it's high, or a, sa- or a sash. For what reason? Just a formal occasion. I could go with this? I think so. It could go into a bow tie. It could go into a straight tie. It can go into a scarf. It can go into a headband. It can go into a sash or a sachet. Is that funny? It's kind of funny. I think I'm pretty funny, actually. You are funny. You you have a future. We're going to keep you around. You you have a future in comedy. So so how much is the drone tape? The drone tape comes in rolls of 250 feet. This bad boy. 250 feet. It's 20 bucks a roll. But if you order the roll and four of the clips, it's 30 bucks. You're out the door. You got your clips, you got your roll, and if you don't need any more clips, you just buy the roll, it's 20 bucks. So there it is. Basically 20 bucks. Plus 10 for this. Is it reusable? It is, unfortunately. I mean, you got to realize, we make products that last forever. There is no planned obsolescence. At, that's a big word for me. No planned obsolescence at Hoodman. There should be. Why wouldn't there be? It's like you, you buy a dishwasher every five years now. Well, when I grew up, they lasted 30 years. Anyway, that's a different story. No, I agree. Troy, you got to realize that. A great place to be from. Detroit is like the land of planned obsolescence. Speaking, speaking of uh, Bob's history, and I know that Bob didn't really want to get into this, but I want to get into it. All right. So Bob, Bob says, so Bob pretended that he knew where we lived, which is Brisbane, which is where I, where I and Veronica live. And that's just south of San Francisco. Bob said, oh, I know Brisbane really well, but he wasn't able to really point, point, pinpoint later when we quizzed him. But, but let's just... Let's just kind of take it on faith that maybe he does really know where Brisbane is. But he said, I used to work there. I used to do stuff there. And we, what kind of work? And you said, well, I, I pretty much was one of the pioneers of Video Assist. That's correct. Tell me about Assist. it. Video Assist, in the early days, was the film camera's way of giving you a video image in the primitive state. So in other words, guys like Jerry Lewis with a camera, a video camera up next to the Panavision camera that was rolling film. You would show video. We'd run it through monitors. You're the director. I'm the producer. Everybody wants to see what's going on, but they don't want to disturb the cameraman or camera person, I should say. And that gives you, with video assist, allows you to do that. So I need, I look through the lens of the camera, the film camera. I get a video picture. We help pioneer that technology and that service. So now we would go out on commercials. You got a director. You got a producer you got an agency you got all these people that need to be able to see what's going on but you don't want them all up at the camera bugging the camera person so this is where video assist came in and we started that in the early 80s 
and started going out on jobs. And that's why I ended up in San Francisco so much. Obviously, beautiful locations, the city. You go north, Mount Tam, all those places you go around there and, and up the coast. And we would run our video assist machines on the film shoots. But they still do it. Tell me what this video, this ancient video assist machine was like. It was early tape recorders, literally. It was surveillance cameras built into the camera optics, okay? And we would take that footage and record it. So let's say they jumped off a bridge. And then they wanted to play it back to see if they got it. Well, with film, you've got to wait the next day till it gets developed. Well, with the video assist, we could play it back for them over and over and over with the videotape machine. And it was awesome. Because they could see, yeah, I got it. I nailed it. Let's get out of here. We'll go to the next shot. So that's kind of really, it was continuity. It was action. It was performance. All that stuff wrapped into one, but you had to wait to the next day if you were shooting on film to see so we could show it to them right then and there. And that's how important it was. Seriously, it was pretty cool. I actually do remember those days a little bit. No, I do. And and I'm a little bit older than, than I look. Show me those fake gray hair. <laughs> And, and, uh, but this is strictly for film. Yeah. But now they're still doing it on video on digital shoots. They still have the same, because they don't want to touch the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The original, so to speak, in the digital deck or wherever it's being recorded. We take a feed off that and we still do the same thing. Because it's become part of the culture of how things are shot. They don't use it all the time, but... Still, like seventy-five percent of the time, because you got you still have the same dynamic. You got agencies, you got art directors, you got people that need to see it, and they all don't want to go up to the you know. There's that weird, you know, they don't want to touch the camera, so they bring it to the the people. And we create a village, video village. That's where that came from. Video village. Yes. It takes a village. It takes a village. And now you can actually cordon off the village with your caution tape. See, we're going to change this to video village on the next run. It can be anything you want it to be. You want it to be Brisbane Rocks? We're going to do that. Live in Brisbane? Don't live in Brisbane. Live in Brisbane in Australia. Different, different pronunciations. You, I figured you guys knew that, right? We knew that. I don't think you did. Well, that's a really interesting part of, this, part of your history, Bob. So then after... So what, what made you quit the video, video village industry and get into the Hoodman industry? So... When we brought people out in that environment outside, you couldn't see the monitors. So we had video monitors, but you can't see them. So it caused a big problem. So the other, one of the other brothers came up with a hood system. And that was the basis by which we started doing hoods for everything. Because we realized not only we had that problem, but everybody in the world had that problem. So we came to NAB in 1987. Hello, that's 31 years ago. Whoa, I'm actually 20. No, but no, came here 40 years ago, not 40, <laughs> Woo! 30, thank you, 31, good memory, I like that, see you're still young. I, just good math. That's right, you can add, <laughs> but no, we came in and that gave us the premise, why not try it for other things that have screens, and that kind of evolved through the years with LCD screens, and Watchman, Sony came out with Watchman's, little baby TVs. They came out with all kinds of other things. And then we came along along the way. And then digital came out when 1999 with digital still cameras. We were back in business. So we started making little baby hood men. 
little babyhood men were running around. That's what formed our little company that's kind of grown. It's kind of grown from the last, you know, 30 years. And then Crispy came along and took it to the next level. What's Crispy? He's our national sales manager. Is that, wait a second, Crispy is watching us. Crispy is off camera right now. He's acting like he's not paying attention. What's, what's, what's behind the name Crispy? Well, his name's Chris and his last name begins with a P. So we go Chris P. Really? No, there's no like, now that marijuana is legal in <laughs> California, there's no, no, he's not crispy. Like, we do yeah, animals. A- Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's legal though. <laughs> you bet, you're going to have to watch all this stuff, Crispy. I'm saying some crazy stuff here. I'm a, I'm a leader of the community. Well, we've established that um, these, uh, if you put up the, the Hoodman tape, caution tape, it will absolve you of all liability. Established crisp no the origin to that at all. Stop it. We were just kidding. We'll be okay. Back to Brisbane in a shopping cart. Woo! You see Animal House? <laughs> did you ever see what he did to the guitar? No, I'm just kidding. That was from Godfather. Thank you. Did you? It's a hothead. Did you ever do stand up? No. Did you ever try it? No. Did you ever think about it? Yes. <laughs> you know who I saw though was what's our guy's name? Steven the guy with the the, 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 the dry pan face Miller? Steven Wright. I don't know if you remember that guy. I remember him. He was like totally deadpan, funny. What was one of his lines, Crispy? Bring it up. He's in town. I don't know if no. We saw his poster. Yeah, you saw the poster. That's kinda cool. I mean that's guys, you know, guys like that. Pryor, Richard Pryor. They were amazing. Williams. Those are the guys, man. They are. Sam Kinison. Got to throw one out for Sam. He's great. You sure? So, believe it or not, I actually did a little bit of stand-up. Really? Yeah, I long, long time. you doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was total. <laughs> you have the potential. It was a total failure, but I did, I did learn what the little red light in the back of the room meant that you, only you could see. When, when, when the... When the manager wants you off the stage, they start blinking a red light. It's like, put it down. They say, get off the stage. <laughs> but the audience can't see you. Right, right, right. That's hilarious. I don't know. There are a lot of... I'm in the heart of Hollywood, so... I think you have... Places are I think you have potential. I think, I think this might be the start of it, the tape. The tape the, was a stumbling the, block for some reason. I think the tape, the four millimeter version might be funnier. Oh, yeah. You know, the th- really thick planks that you bring around that are about 200 pounds. Two by fours. Yeah, two by four, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, the two by four. This is the two by four of tape, of caution tape. And I think I'll be uh, having some of this shipped for free. Yes. What do you need? Now you tell us. We're going to see. We're, now we're looking at the cones. Points of the cones. These are the cones. These are part of the Hoodman drone tape. But the cones are not sold by Hoodman. No. Get your own cones. They're everywhere. You can get them at Home Depot. <laughs> the clips are ours and the tape is ours. You put the clips in the cones, you got yourself, you got business. You got happening. Uh, can I ask you, who, who is the writer? <laughs> that, was, that was Brother Lou. Okay, and so was, what, did you have meetings? We did have words with that, yeah. We had words. Uh, 
about it. Give me a loop, little play-by-play of one of the meetings. There's a certain repeat, okay? There's like, what's that step and repeat? That's like you're going through the... Rinse and repeat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. No, that's where we go through with the actual... I can't remember. No, when they go through the line and the red carpet, step and repeat. Okay. That's what this is. So every three feet, this repeats. And how did you figure out how often you want to repeat? He did. He, did he sat down and drew it with his abacus and other pieces of technology. Because honestly, I think maybe it's, I think it's like a little bit maybe too often. It's a little too busy? It's a little busy. We'll see. We have 6,000 rolls of these to sell. Thank you. Thank you for that vote of confidence. That's okay, though. We're cool. I'm okay with it. Do you do QA? Before, and we've, like, fallen flat. QA, focus groups. But you know what? I think we're going to be fine. I think you're... People like yourself may notice that, because you're a detail-oriented kind of guy. Most of these guys, you know, they're not going to notice it. Stand clear. What does that mean? That's a, that's a nice way of saying get... Get the out of the way. No, leave. Stand clear. It's 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 aviation terminology. Stand clear. Drone flight zone. Woo! You got to say that at the end. Woo! <laughs> okay, I, I think that one, huh? I think we've exhausted think we've all <laughs> all comedic possibilities of the tape, the clips, the video village. You caught everything you needed to catch on this round of. 2018. I think you've seen everything. I think the drone tape is a highlight. And some other hoods are mixing in, and it's all good, you know. We're, we're next to DJI. That's awesome. It's kind of cool. That's when you turn it around and play. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you guys know your stuff. Yeah. Put a little shot. This is where Bob's booth is. You notice when it's my booth when they're not around? <laughs> I came up with everything. Really? Well, yeah, when they're not around, sure. <laughs> I don't have to hear dialogue, right? Uh, you guys are too much. Okay, okay. so we're going to wrap this up because I think we've been going for like half an hour on a drone tape, which is, it, it's, an, it's, it's got enough. We pull the hard drive up, so. <laughs> that 4K stuff, you better cut it down to like 2.6 or whatever that stuff is. I don't even know. We'll turn it into SD eventually. That's excellent. Um, so I think we're done. Do you have anything else to say for yourself, for the company, for the tape, for the products? I think we're awesome. I think we really put out a good product. Not sure about you, but, you know. I'm from the Midwest. Whatever that means. We won't get into that. you got to get into D- Detroit. It's a great place to be from. I've been there. Huh? I've been there. If you lived there. I've never lived there. Okay, good. Don't. Stay in uh, Burlingame or whatever. Where are you? <laughs> We knew it. We knew he didn't know where we lived. That's a good one, though. All right. Okay, so I think we're signing off now. Thanks so much, Bob. You've been excellent as usual. It's always the highlight. Absolutely. Good time with you. Okay. This is Keith Moreau here signing off with Tech Move for the NAB 2018 show. You know, I, um, I don't really know what to say about the interview, <laughs> but... Uh, Anyway, that's a Bob Schmidt from Hoodman and our very own Keith Moreau. (laughs) I have frankly never heard a interview last that long 
to talk about something that I, I mean, it's it's look, it's a nice product. I'm not throwing anyone under the bus here, uh, but it's it's caution tape. <laughs> that was the longest interview to talk about caution tape. Keith, uh, you have a lot to explain. Go ahead. Uh, we had. You know, it included everything. It included B and H came over, and there uh, he had to go and and uh, talk to them and to go, do some negotiation. And then he came back, and uh, and then we continued to talk about the tape. And it's just kind of amazing how deep you can go into something, you know, if you really care about it. And <laughs> and boy, did he care! I'll tell you that much. Woo! Did he care? Yeah. So it's it's an interesting product. And, yeah. Uh, I. I didn't get any at the show, but if I did a lot of a lot of shoots, I might do it. Although sometimes I kind of want to not l- let people know too much that I'm filming. <laughs> right. I, I don't want to say I'm here. I have a helicopter. I have a quadcopter. I'm here. Right. You know. But uh, I guess for those situations where it's really a professional situation, you want to make sure people are safe. Yeah. Not 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 my situations, but maybe somebody else <laughs> you cared about people's safety <laughs> and they're flying. <laughs> Would use that. <laughs> ah. Well, uh, th- th- that was uh, that was spectacular. I'm I'm still actually a little dizzy from the interview. I'm I'm a little bit dizzy from it, but yeah, I'm uh, still dizzy, and it was weeks ago. So. <laughs> well, hey, that was great. That was great. That was Bob Schmidt again from Hoodman. Thank you, Bob, for uh, for being on with us. We really appreciate it, and we actually really do love uh, all the products that come out of the Hoodman uh, uh, company. Um, yeah, we do, and, and and you know, and uh, we've been supporting them for a long time, like Keith had mentioned before. So, thank you very much for that, Keith. Another uh, scintillating uh, interview there. <laughs> yep. uh, I'm going to uh, uh, give myself an ice bath, and uh, we're gonna mm-hmm. come right back with uh, with another interview from NAB. Is that okay with you? That sounds great. All right, here we go. We're going to come right back. We're going to take a quick break. And we'll come back for more right here on Tech Move. It's Tech Move and the continuing coverage of NAB 2018. Rod Louie and Keith Moreau here. And uh, Keith, you're about to bring to us another uh, interview, product interview, actually, mm-hmm. uh, from the fine folks over at DJI. And, uh, you know, I kind of, you know, again, in our pre-production meetings, uh, staff meetings with all the uh, tech move heads here uh, at the headquarters, Mm -hmm. I am actually very excited about this particular product. Yeah. Yeah. I think it looks pretty darn good. And, you know, without giving it away, because we want to, you know, l- let the interview speak for itself. But uh, uh, what kind of drove you to, to, to get the folks over at DJI? Is this something that you kind of had your eye on yourself? Um, yes. I always try to go to the, well, it's kind of hard to miss the DJI booth um, there at NAB. It's just right, you know, there's this kind of main big door that goes from the North Hall to the Central Hall. Okay. And the North Hall has all kind of the... It doesn't really have the vendors. It just has a bunch of kind of support stuff, like the foods there, and and the the podcast studio, and the and the and the stores and things like that are in the in the north hall, and where you register. 
sure. and where the the depressing uh, press <laughs> press room is with, with the but, poor Wi-Fi and unclean yes. power sources. Yes, yes, yes. I wouldn't. I don't know. There's a gathering of all these people on their computers working. I guess. Um, but uh, so so as soon as you there's this huge door or medium sized door and bunch of doors that go into um, the central hall, which is where a lot of the good stuff is. There's the central hall and the south hall. And the South Hall actually has two stories, um, <clears throat> but the the Central Hall DJI is basically right there at the at the opening. Like you 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 go in there and all you can see is DJI, and DJI is crazy. Their booth is always crazy. It's it's pretty big booth, and it's just just packed all the time. It's weird. DJI it, um, is DJI, DJI is yeah. just packed. Yeah, it's like it, the rest of the show can be kind of normal, and then DJI is always packed. So, um, and so it's getting, going there and getting interview is just, it's always crazy. It's always just kind of fitting and, and getting a tripod or some kind of support device for your, for, for our recording system is, is always kind of, kind of iffy, but, um, you know, getting a space where we're not getting trampled on and interrupted and people going in front of us. But, um, we managed to kind of squeeze in and I looked around first. I always go look around first. I don't just kind of dive in and start recording I look around first and see, oh, you know, this is kind of cool. This is kind of cool. And there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of brand new stuff at the DJI booth. They had come out with stuff like months prior, new stuff like the Mavic, um, the Mavic Right, Air. the drone, the, the, yeah. the, the new drone. Yeah. yeah, the new drone, the Mavic Air. That is, is very popular, by the way. Yeah, it is. Well, there's a reason for it because it's awesome. Yeah, it's really it's great. It's like this teeny little thing with amazing images. Yeah. Um, and I just take it everywhere I go. It, you know. uh, 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 yeah, I mean, even even, even, even one of my friends bought one of those, you know, and he's yeah. not even a videographer, you know. It's a perfect, it's actually perfect for, for a beginner or even a pro because then you can just take it wherever you go. It doesn't take up much space. And then if you feel like a drone shot, you can uh, get one. And, and uh, but it also flies well and it's got good, so I, uh, good image quality. But anyway, so I, so I, I, I didn't really want to talk about that too much because that's kind of old news. But but I did see the um, angled uh, single gimbal they have now, which GGI has never come out with a single gimbal. So all their gimbals are the ones that kind of hang down from above and they have the two handles, mm-hmm. kind of like the original Movi. You know, that's how the DJI yeah. Ronin was based on. And then even the Ronin-M, which is a smaller version. They're always this hanging down uh, format. Um, so I was kind of wondering when they'd get into the single mark because singles are actually pretty cool. They're actually, I feel like they're more useful in a way than mm-hmm. the dual handle ones. And um, just because they're smaller, so you can kind of, the whole footprint is smaller. So there's an issue, you know, that they're kind of heavy. That's It's hard to maybe support it with one hand or kind of one handle. But but in general, they're just much more versatile. Because you could put two handles on them if you want. You can always mount like a bar. Like I have, I have a, like several of these singles, actually. Yeah. <laughs> actually, it's another thing maybe I want to sell you. I just showed you my my last old gimbal, but I have another better gimbal I could sell you too. Oh, but um, ex- well, I, I, <laughs> that that could be something that I think about along with any other uh, throwaways that you have. That would be terrific. Well, well, Rod and I are still negotiating about the GH4. But anyway, getting right. Maybe we'll 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 talk about that more in the outro, the main yeah. outro. But um, so yeah, so I saw I just I just kind of went to this one area where there were two that two guys kind of handling the um angled gimbal and i said so who can i talk i'm i'm with tech move and they immediately went you're with tech move and they just like their draws 
jaws dropped. Like they couldn't believe that I was there. And, and you, they you just, mean I, they didn't have their security usher you away <laughs> in cuffs? No, or anything? that's the thing with the DJI booth. It's just so crazy. It's so crowded. The security can't get to you. There's right. plenty of time to oh, evade them. Ter- terrific. But, but uh, anyway, so the guy that I asked, which happened to be Soren, is the actual product manager of this product. Ah, great. He's the guy that actually developed. I didn't even know. You know, I had no clue. I was just lucky. Yeah. So he was the guy. He was the guy. So he just said, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll get, I'll, yeah, I'll be back. And he actually came back and it was him. I thought he was going to get somebody, some press person right. to talk to me, but actually he talked to me. <laughs> right. So uh, that was really cool. And he was very open, amazingly open, which I really like. Because sometimes these people, if you talk to the, the PR people, they're, they just give you the kind of the party line and they don't really give you much detail about how the process goes. And, but he was actually the guy that goes through DJI and develops it and asks for feedback and improves things. And, you know, if there's bugs, he, he tries to get his engineers to fix them and stuff like that. So it was pretty cool. I actually like, love that interview. And the, I think the project is called Ronin S, right? Is it Ronin S? Yeah. As in the is letter it the S? Yeah, I don't know. I that's it, what that's what we have in our show notes here. Yeah, I think it is. It's it's been a while, so I have to remember it's called that's yeah, fine. Ronin S. Ronin S. Yeah, that makes sense. Ronin okay. S because S for single. Yeah, so that's a product. It's not out yet, but it hopefully will be out by our Cinegear show. So okay. well maybe I can get go to DJI, DJI there and, and actually ask. play around with one for, for Yeah. Well, it looks like you kinda got to to play with one there a little bit. Uh I did it. It feels clothes. Yeah, size-wise and everything, it feels really similar to the um, to the other one, the uh, Zion uh, Crane, Crane Two. Yeah, yeah, the Crane Two, which is the bigger single. Yeah, that Zion has, but um, but but the which thing is that which is the one you have already is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I have that already. In fact, I just used it a, a bunch when I was just in LA. Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, and but the thing that this is i think that this is better than than the, the Zion crane is that it has this angled um angled arm which work is really cool because you can see the back of the camera yeah. really easily um especially if it's like a sony camera that doesn't have the flip out lcd right on a, on a gh4 or 5 they have the flip out so it's a little bit easier even if they have the the gimbal uh the gimbal motor block blocking it but um Anyway, so that was just, and one of the questions I asked him was, uh, so why didn't anybody think of this before, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, it just seems like it was something that, that should have been done from the beginning. Yeah, like our, like fully articulating screens for cameras, which would be great. <laughs> Sony hasn't quite gotten there. Right, exactly. We're not allowed yeah. to. But anyway, so we just talked about stuff, and then it was so interesting, we did another we started talking like, you know, how after the interview, you're kind of more relaxed and you start talking about random stuff and it just got really interesting. I just, let's, can you mind if we record more? And so there's kind of two parts that might not be edited together or not make too much sense, but there's a more detailed part, which is shorter later and we'll figure out how to f- edit that in. All but, right. uh, so, so anyway, that's Great. how it went. Mm-hmm. Great. So let, let, let's get to it. Let's, uh, let's uh, r- reveal the interview to, to all of our folks out there. And this mm-hmm. is kind of one of those interviews, folks, that uh, the audio part is great because there, it's great description, but you really should go to uh, techmovepodcast.com and take a look at the video because I'm sure we're going to post it there. Uh, Keith, would you, would yep, you say that? It's going to be 
Mm-hmm. It's going to be on Tech Move, and then it's going to be on our YouTube Tech Move YouTube channel too. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so really, folks, I also encourage you to kind of take a look at it because it, it, it's a nice thing to look at. So, all right, enough of me. Let's uh, get to Soren over at DJI and our very own Keith Moreau as we uh, do more coverage of NAB 2018 right here on Tech Move. So, what is this called? This is the uh, Ronin S from DJI. Okay. The name is right here. Okay. So we're going to start. All right. Hi, this is Keith Moreau with TechMooth NAB 2018. We're here at the DJI booth. We're here with Soren of DJI, and he's going to show us a new gimbal. Hi, Soren. Hi. Uh, this is the uh, Soren from DJI, and I work on a Ronin S product team. And I'm glad to show you guys how the Ronin S has progressed. Awesome. Tell us about it. Okay. So uh, during CS, we showcased the first batch prototype. It's not perfect, and we receive tons of feedbacks from it. And then we try to incorporate as many as we can onto the future products. So this is somewhere in between the final production unit and the uh, first batch prototype. We made improvements, such as the uh, arms are thinner now, but we're not losing any stiffness and integrity. So the performance of the gimbal is not affected, despite the fact that it's lighter. And also, uh, we improved the connectivity here there will be multiple canvas ports for camera powering support and accessory powering. And down here, we can finally showcase the DJI Command uh, Ronin S control unit, which allows you to directly access the gimbal parameters and access supported camera parameters as well. And this is the uh, focus wheel of, for Ronin S, allows you to pull focus all by yourself. So you're not no longer rely on the camera autofocus all the time but you can also create your cinematic look by pulling the focus and adjusting everything else. That's great. Can you see his face or is he blocking it? Okay, good. So tell me what cameras is supported, are supported by the focus? Um, stage one, we started the Panasonic GX family development already. So by the time we start shipping, we'll have the GX5 compatibility built in already. Later on, we'll work on uh, Canon and Nikon and then uh, finalizing everything, we'll start working on out-of-camera brands as well. So I gather this is not out yet. Do you have any plans or any dates about when it might be out? Uh, we'll announce more pricing and availability avail uh, related information in early May. Yeah, by then we can know more detail about it. Yeah, and specs as well. So tell me, what do you think is special about this compared to some of the other single gimbals out there? Okay, uh, basically the biggest advantage of this product is the uh, customizability. So there are three customizable user profiles and you can switch using this uh, M button here. And also this M button allows you to so switch to profile two already. This M button also allows you to turn into sport mode, which allows you to do the uh, whip pan operation and catch up with very fast moving objects. And also in the front, the front trigger allows you to uh, intuitively control the gimbal modes. So when you press and hold it, the gimbal turns into a lock mode, which allows you to do a very smooth one-take transition. You, uh, or you can double-tap it to recenter the gimbal. Triple-tapping it will allow your gimbal to go back 180 degrees facing the operator to shoot some selfie kind of footage, and double-tapping it to bring it back to the center. And also, um, the app that we've built for the Ronin-S is the, uh, the best available access thing that we ever designed ever. 
um, you can adjust camera uh, gimbal parameters. You can allow you to uh, capture motion time-lapse videos by designing the gimbal movement orientation and routes and assigning intervals whatsoever. So it's everything that's integrated. What am I giving up with this versus the Ronin-M? Oh, so the Ronin-M has a bigger form factor. It's basically impossible to hold it like this and you finish a shoot even for one take, right? You have to hold it all the time with dual hands. But uh, the Ronin-S gives you better flexibility. You can hold it with one hand or with or without the extended grip on the bottom. And also will offer uh, dual handheld support uh, uh, accessories in the future. So why would I get a Ronin-M once this is available? Well, Ronin-M is still a very good uh, system. It's more integration. It's directly compatible with the uh, S-Bus control. And then also the Ronin-M comes with a bigger form factor so that you can mount more accessories such as field monitor, live view transmitter with ease. But on a Ronin-S, you might be losing certain amount of uh, uh, accessible like accessory mounting places here. So to maximize the uh, accessorizing capability, we will have a cheese plate here on the side of the gimbal bar then you can mount a magic arm or any anything else that's supported. Yep. Now, could you invert this and have put handles on top? Yeah, uh, there are two ways to invert this gimbal. So first of all, I can hold this down, hold this trigger down, and do this all the time. Now the gimbal is inverted with one smooth take. I don't need to pause any motor. I don't need to do any settings. Okay, now um, I'll bring this up and... Okay. The other way to do it is the secondary inverted mode, which is not that easy. So I flip around the gimbal. And also, and then I will flip the roll axis as well. And then I'll re-engage the gimbal. Now is the secondary inverted mode that I'm talking about. So this gives you a maximum user uh, move movement capability on the tilt axis. While it's not very quick, but it's more freedom to move, right, as you can see from here. Does it require this handle, or does it detach here? Uh, uh, this is actually a detachable battery grip. So when I turn off the gimbal, I can easily detach it by unlocking the lever, first step, and then removing it. This is the battery itself, so it powers the gimbal and also serves as the grip for the gimbal to operate with. And to install, just slide in and then lock the lever here. That's done. So I almost see this as being able to slide into some type of handle mount that has a battery in it. Exactly. Uh, in the future, we plan to accessorize it to, by offering you guys a um, dampening system with a power, powering capability. So you can mount it to a mo fast-moving vehicle like a car, like a buggy, or a cable cam, or even a crane and a little chip. That's totally useful. That's pretty cool. Okay, so now... What if I have something that a fairly heavy type camcorder, maybe not a mirrorless or DSLR, is it going to be capable enough for that? Um, currently, we don't have the final spec on the uh, payload capacity yet. Internally, we're trying to mount with a Red Dragon Epic 6K with a Canon zoom lens like 24-105, and it survived. Yeah, well, also the Sony FS5, I tried to balance it myself, and it worked. Um, Camcorder-wise, we don't have anyone in-house, so I don't know for sure. So I have a C200, 
and I'm able to balance it on one of your competitors rigs that's similar to this. I might need to borrow one to see if it fits. <laughs> I think it'll fit because it's actually about the same height and it's a little bit shallower than the C than this FS5, which I also have. Yes. So honestly, before I test it myself, I'm not sure. I will be sure only after I mount it myself and balance it. I think one of the issues, now this arm seems a little on the short side. I feel like in order to support the tall cameras, you might this needs you might need to sell an accessory to make this a little longer. Uh, currently, um, we can balance the 1DX Mark II already. So for any taller cameras, we might just use counterweight to offset the weight shifting to the top of the uh, camera payload. We can mount something on the bottom to make it like downward, uh, uh, downward heavy. I know what you mean. I do that all the time. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's really cool. I, I love this. I love the little screen. It's almost like a little control screen on it. Um, obviously, if it's a DJI product, it's built really solid. The, the hardware looks awesome on this. You have a little control, a little USB control here on here. And it looks like it's a uh, Manfrotto type uh, yes. mount. The camera quick release play is the Man, uh, Manfrotto standard. So you can quickly switch from the gimbal operation to the standard tripod operation with ease. You don't need to unscrew anything. You just slide in and that's let's roll. Can't wait to get this. Um, it's going to be out. We don't know when. It's going to be. And the availability and price is going to be announced in May, is that what you said? It's announced in May. And we plan to start shipping according to the timeline that we provided by then. So you must be scrambling because that's not far away. That's, that's like a month. Well, <laughs> we're making it as hard as we can. <laughs> that's cool. Well, thanks so much for your time. Thanks. Thanks. Keith Moreau signing off, DJI booth at NAB 2018. We're back with Soren here. I actually just had a few more questions. And it was so interesting, I needed to continue the, the interview. So Soren was telling me about this uh, angled, I don't know what this is called, the certain axis. Tell me about it. Rolex. The slanted Rolexes design is basically allowing the user to actually see the camera monitor without adding extra weight on it. So it's basically helping you to save some like one pound or two pounds on it. Um, the reason why we did it is because we want to maximize every ounce mounted on a gimbal. So we don't want to add you a necessary weight. We don't want to. We won't. We don't want you to spend extra money when it's totally not necessary. If we can just modify our design to make you maximize the utility of the camera. So I have a question. Why didn't? Why wasn't every single gimbal in existence, or at least the single ones, designed this way to start with? Well, I'm not sure about others, but for us, we have multiple options available when we start designing the Ronin S, and we finally picked this one because we deem that uh, when users use the gimbal, they're always shooting at eye level, and I don't want anything to block their communication with the camera. So if we have a gimbal motor here, it will entirely block up the access to the, gimbal's, uh, the camera screen, and it's really hard to adjust the setting if there is anything in the way. So we try to lower it with a slanted design. The problem is we, DJI, uh, has... Um, we're redesigning how the gimbal algorithm works on this gimbal. So it takes us extra time to make it stabilize and make it smooth on all axes at any angle. When you have the, uh, what axis is it called again? Roll axis. When, when the roll axis is pointing downward like this, I assume that there's more math involved to make everything work well. Yes, exactly. It's basically utilizing a whole new algorithm sets to make it smooth and working, functioning. Because normally it's, it wants to be at right angles to the camera. It's the easiest way 
because every gimbal, the traditional gimbals, every one of them is using that kind of design. But uh, to having something new brings more difficulty on our team. But actually, at the end of the day, it brings our users more utility. So I was just wondering, like, if somebody just said, "Hey, let's just move this this uh, roll axis down, and it'll get out of the way of the viewfinder." Duh! Why didn't we think of that before? This is kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> maybe they thought about it, but uh, they they didn't do it. I think maybe what happened was since since there was that kind of like universal software was out there, and then all your software was written for it, it, it made it made writing it for this. Uh, more of a task and it, harder to get the product out. Yes. So also uh, the problem when we uh, bring this new design is that uh, we don't know if it will work in the first place. After a several batch of uh, prototyping, then we we're sure that okay, this is what we're going to make. Yeah. And also uh, the slantic roll motor here allows you to do the quick uh, like a high to low transition without hitting your camera in one take. So actually, it's easier for you to operate the gimbal, right? As well, not just by not blocking the screen, but also easier for operation. Right. That's really, really, really cool. And these are the uh, step stepper motors. Sorry. There's certain type of motors that are smoother and encoded. Uh, they're encoded brushless motors. All the DJI gimbals that we've built till now are using brushless motors encoded. Yeah. And. What's the advantage of that over some other type of motor? Basically, it's like uh, uh, noise-free, and also it gives you better precision when you're controlling the uh, angle. Does it give you a little bit more power as well? Well, power-wise, it's not like that. It's not how the mechanism is built. It's like how we designed a coil inside a motor. Yeah, but these motors are really strong that they could sustain as high as like uh, 75 miles per hour that we tested. We're still trying to reach out to the limit. So it's not final. We might be able to improve it a little bit. Yeah. Stay tuned, and we'll let you guys know more about it. This is awesome. Thanks so much, and we'll see you when it comes out. That's our friends over at DJI and introducing the uh, Ronin S, and mm -hmm. that's Soren representing DJI and our very own Keith Moreau right here on tech move as mm -hmm. we uh continue to do nab 2018 hey you know this uh ronin s uh it looks pretty darn good i gotta tell you it looks really good i mean like i know that the um z young uh crane is kind of like you know that that seems to be the thing the flavor of the of the moment mm -hmm. but this dji ronin s keith i think is going to give it a run for its money yeah, I think that once it comes out, it's going to probably displace all the larger single gimbals out there. Um, he said he was actually had balanced an FS5 on it pretty easily. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Because that's a fairly large camera. Right. So. And, and, and it looks sturdy as all get out. And um, it looks as if it doesn't, it, like it could handle all kinds of different cameras on this thing. Yeah, I think it can handle almost anything except for something that's really long, like a regular camcorder. Yeah. But it might even handle something like a Canon C200. Mm -hmm. Especially if, because one of the things they, they thought about the counterweighting stuff. So sometimes when a camera's too front heavy, which can happen, happen in any gimbal, there's just not a, enough room in the back for the for you to balance it properly. 
Um, you can't push it back far enough to get the center of gravity right, but you could put weights in the back. So, um, and so you can buy these special plates to put weights on, on the back of the camera, or you can screw stuff onto the back, back of the camera. There's, there's holes for that. Um, but they actually thought about adding weights to the bottom and the back uh, just as part of the rig, which is really cool. That's really smart. Yeah, it's really smart. I mean, they thought of a lot of stuff. They're really smart people. Like, I was really impressed with this guy, Soren. They really have it together. Oh, I feel and, like. and, the descri- and the way he demonstrated was really great, and he was very forthcoming about certain things. I really enjoyed the interview. Yeah, and he's so he's the product or project manager for this particular product. So he's in charge of its success, and he told us about... Um, you know how they how they put out the original version and they got a lot of feedback and then they're kind of modifying it to to make it even better for people. That's and that's really cool to just not not produce something in a vacuum. Um, it's you know a lot of companies seem sometimes it seems like they just produce something and they just make boneheaded decisions about things because they're just a bunch of engineers you know that are in love with their product and they don't really know they don't really have feedback from people that actually use it. But I think DJI is 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 becoming better at getting feedback and incorporating it and that's really cool so yeah so i probably will get one when it comes out in a couple months i don't think it, it'll probably be less than a thousand dollars which is you know for that type of gimbal is a pretty good deal so you think it will be out in a couple of months it'll they uh... said soren said it was going to be that their ship date was something like mid-may or june oh, okay so, so it could be pretty soon actually for at the time of this recording it'll probably come out you know, before we come out with this episode. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's probably out <laughs> there right any, now, actually. Pretty so. much anything will come out before right. this episode. Yes, this is correct. Yeah. Well, great. Mars, hey. Mars landing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, uh, so that's the DJI Ronin-S new product uh, about to hit the market. I think it's going to be uh, a, a very popular one at that. At least uh, that's what we think here on Tech Move. So, Keith, thank you very much. Soren, thank you very much. And uh, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with another interview from our continuing coverage of NAB 2018 right here on Tech Move. All right, we have a... um, This is an interview. It's a really good interview, but it almost... I almost kind of want to double this, Keith, as a uh, ever popular segment of "Put Me in a Coma," uh, <laughs> because uh, this interview kind of gets a little bit geeky in a way, mm. and um, uh, because we talk a lot about a great, great uh, product uh, from a company called Hedge. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have the representative, uh, Paul Matthias Lombert, who was good enough to join Keith mm-hmm. on the floor of NAB 2018 uh, mm-hmm. to talk about backup software for filmmakers. Uh, is there anything you want to throw out there uh, be- be- before we roll this interview, Keith? Um, just that uh, they kind of semi-sponsored Tech Move initially, okay. just because... Um, he thought you were funny. Like that was the main thing. That was why they did it. Well, then he, yeah. then he yeah. didn't know a thing. Um, <laughs> no, he actually said he laughed out loud in one of the episodes. Oh, good. That I showed him. So, good. so he said, and just for that, I'm going to give you a free license. Thank you. So, yeah. Because I'm going to, because you know how I'm going to use it to back up all my software <laughs> and, and uh, back up all my uh, uh, footage that I take of me. You know, whatever it is, whatever I do, right? Lots of selfies. Whatever I do. 
Yeah. Uh, hey, what, 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 is, is, is there a product name? I mean, the company is Hedge, right? Or yeah. is, that the, is, is, is that the same as the product name? It's the same. I think they only have one. Well, I guess they have another product, but yeah, they just, they're called Hedge. Okay. Fantastic. Sure. All right. Yeah. So let's give yeah. a listen to Paul mm-hmm. and let's give a listen to Keith as he uh, drills him, grills him, <laughs> and uh, and talks about this great backup software for filmmakers as mm-hmm. it's really targeted for, uh, for us uh, artsy people. But yes. uh, again, this is a, uh, a technical kind of thing, but it's pretty darn interesting. So mm-hmm. here we go. This is uh, Hedge on our edition of NAB 2018 right here on TechMove. Hi, this is Keith Moreau of TechMove. We're here with Paul of Hedge, and I'm actually interested in this product because I actually own several copies of it. And I've used it all the time to actually back up my, my cards to my, my hard drives. So how's it going, Paul? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very good. So tell me a little bit about Hedge, and tell me about the product, um, and maybe you can give me a little bit of a demo. How's that? Sure, sure. Um, Hedge is two years old. It's a backup app meant for those in video production that use the finer to do copies, which isn't really secure. So we build an app that's extremely easy to use to copy multiple cards to multiple destinations all in one go. And I think, I think our USB is the usability. It's super easy to do. It's fast. Everybody can do it. It's literally we don't have a manual because you learn it in ten seconds, I think. And um, well, last year, last year that was our first NAB. We're just like testing the water. Is this gonna work? And we just took off like a rocket. And we're back this year, and uh, with a lot of news as well. You want to have an update? Let's look at it. Sure, let's look at it. All right. Um, we don't do regular product cycles like once every one and a half years a new version. We do it about every two months, and release every once or two months. We do uh, one new feature, and last one was duplicate detection last week. So right now with Hedge, you can uh, you, you can always ingest anything to anything. So let's have a look. Um, let's set up a source here. Hedge accepts every drive your OS sees it works with, except LTO. We have a different app for that, but I'll t- show you later on. Um, and let's say we want to copy to two destinations. You can choose a folder on a destination or the drive itself, fill it up. And let's do two sources here. One of the good things about Hedge is that slow sources or slow destinations don't hold up the other ones. Because then you have, you have this really fast raid and then you have this slow production drive uh, for maybe for the director. That won't slow you down. It will take longer, of course, to finish, but the raid will be done uh, as fast as possible. And Hedge has no overhead in doing transfers, so there's, you're always to the max of the bus speed. And Hedge has a lot of checksum mechanisms, there's a lot of error mechanism right in it, but though that only taxes your CPU. It never taxes the actual transfer speed. And that's quite a departure from other apps in the space. So yeah, basically I just set up a few disks, I hit add transfers, and they start running, and that's it, in the basic workflow. Um, and there's a lot of more advanced stuff inside Hedge if you go look for it, and one thing that's really nice is labels. It's like you have this drive, it's called ES Digital, which it's not really useful. So you stick a bit of digital gaffer to it, and let's say this is camera A, and we do a slash, and it's real 23. We do that, 
then Hedge uses that label to create a folder structure for you. So you can already you put your footage straight into the folder you want it to live it in. And the same goes for where the folder is on the source. Let's say you have this Canon card, which has this DCIM clips with all our folder structure. Then if you select just the deepest folder once, from that moment on, Hedge will recognize every card that has that same folder structure as it's from Canon. Let's pick just that buried folder, copy just that data into all the destinations, saving you a lot of hassle of cleanup later on. Um, let's interrupt this transfer. Let's say this is filled transfer. I just pull out a card. Then this will be red if you do that. Um, what's new in Hedge uh, 18.2 is that if you then reconnect that card and retransfer it, it will detect the ones that were already copied and only and skip those save you a lot of time again um, that's last week's update um, the update before that was called car wash which isn't really a feature but more of a workflow I actually like that one yeah you do you yeah well I think I use one of the features which is multiple sources and destinations yeah exactly yeah it's it's uh, yeah we dubbed it car wash because it sounds nice and it's sort of Hedge was meant for on-site or on-location workflows with a fixed set of destinations. And it turned out to be a bit too limiting for a lot of people. Like uh, post-production uses a SAN, they need to copy to two locations on the SAN, or they need to copy within a drive, or they need to copy uh, just three folders from a source into something else. Well, there's a lot of different combinations possibly. So what we did is we removed all limitations in Hatch and now you can just copy anything to anything, everywhere, anywhere. And you also don't need to copy all sources to all destinations. What you can do, let's clean this up for a sec. Let's say I want to copy this card only to that destination. There we go. And then I reset them all with Command R. Transfer keeps running. I go back to my disk view and I set up something else. Let's say, uh, let's do that one into there. Add another transfer, there you go. And you just keep, if you have a lot of different transfer jobs, you can just keep setting it up. And then, and we have quite an exciting roadmap we think ahead for 2018 as well. Um, the next, we see a lot of issues with the new MacBook Pros. Well, not with the Pros itself, they're great. But people buy these extremely cheap USB-C docks that you stick to the side. And they're nice but they're not good for professional data transfers. They overheat easily, and then we see a lot of failing transfers on that. So what we're gonna do is detect those issues during the copy, even before the copy is failing. So the next uh, version will have something called source verification, where you can pre-read a source and make sure that chip sent you the right data instead of corrupted data already, because shit in is shit out. So you need to be sure that you don't have corrupt data to begin with anyway. And it's actually awesome. How long does that process take? The extra read, you mean? The verification of the, the desk. I, it could be twice as long if you have a slow drive, a slow source, but with more modern media like SYS or AXS or P2 cards, it's going to be fairly fast because the bottleneck most of the time with those cards is the destination. Then. But it differs, but depends on your workflow. So is it actually doing this verification pretty much for every byte of copies it also verifies? No, it, yeah, it, we do verification for each copy, but we see some users that are having issues with these docs or like shooting in Ecuador where it's really hot or humid or dusty in deserts. They need that source verification. So 
Okay, now we're going to get a little bit a little bit geeky. Nice. <laughs> Walk me through how that's how that's actually working with that with that particular technology you're talking about. Well, it's basically very a standardized IT thing. It's, you use a checksum, which is a digital fingerprint of a file, which you just calculate, and that's CPU intensive to do. So what you do is you can calculate multiple. You can calculate hashes from the same file on multiple positions in the system, like on the source, on the destination, when in transit, or through a network drive. But it's a slow process. So uh, what we do is we don't use the previously industry standard MD5, which was made for encryption purposes, which has a lot of overhead in the encryption in the cryptology department. We use a different algorithm made by a Frenchman, Jan Colette. He, it's called XXHash, and we started using that from the get-go. Uh, it's I think about five times faster, six times faster than MD5. And all other software in the space has adopted it already. So it's a really robust algorithm. Um, yeah, that saves a lot of time. <laughs> That's basically the good thing about it. It's, it's, it still gives you that fingerprint, but it saves you hours on a day. Especially if you have, let's say you have a shoot that's 12 hours, and then most of the time the data handler needs four or five hours overtime to get all that data done. If you can shave off two, three hours of that, that it's pretty nice to go home together with the rest of the crew instead of sticking around in a hotel room with the, when, while the rest is in a bar. So, and to prevent that issue, by the way, we have this nice uh, app called Connect. It's available for iOS right now for free. Uh, Android version is in the works. That's uh, something new. I hope that we have it end of summer maybe. And um, it allows you to go away from the computer while your transfers are running. You'll get a notification when it's done. You can run back to your hotel room or get back to the bar. So you get you can go to the bar, you can uh, have a few drinks. You get this notification. Hopefully, it's loud enough to wake you up uh, if you've accidentally passed out at the bar for whatever reason. And then you go back to your hotel room and you pull the cards out. Yeah, yeah. Well, you put it back in, and then the duplicate detection will skip everything that went fine. So if you're so so if you're so drunk that you accidentally put the same cards back in, doesn't matter. <laughs> you have a very fast copy of zero bytes. Yeah, yeah, but it would just works. So that's good. Yeah. So okay, so you've gone through a pretty excellent overview of Hedge. I I love the quickness. Um, I have other ways of in the past before Hedge. I had other ways of copying and verifying my data. Um, I used a product, a really great product for backing up, just called um, Chronosync. Yeah. Um, but we use it ourselves. I would imagine so because it's very, very thorough. Um, but it is twice. Every verification is takes twice as long. Yeah, it uses rsync, and rsync itself is great technology, but it's not meant for local synchronizations. It's really meant for over SSH network things. It's the de facto standard for that. Uh, but it just with these file sizes we nowadays have in video production, it just it doesn't cut it. So it's too complicated. Something else. Yeah, I, I love Hedge because it's especially with the car wash upgrade. It's because I'm I have a lot of sources, different cards, and I have a lot of destinations because I store different files on different drives, different types of files, different cameras on different drives sometimes. So this is now it's what I want it to be. Yeah. About a year ago, it wasn't so much. I, I had to go through this extra step of moving stuff around. Yeah. But, I agree. but, yeah. so we started Hedge. Uh, it was this Dutch documentary Challenge Day, and. It had 15 5Ds into four destinations, 12 times a day. There were 12-hour shoots, and those 5Ds fill up quickly on what are you shooting, HD. 
Um, so we need an app to do that. And then after four seasons, the, the show stopped and we were like, we need to do something with this software, which was still an Apple script, a thousand line Apple script. And we found some investors and we decided, all right, we need to limit what that script does because that script also did transcoding overnight into Avid with sync, EDL creation. It's way too big to put in an app. So we deliberately decided to extremely limit the feature size, uh, the feature set of Hatch to just offloading, cloning, and then when traction started to pick up, we were like, okay, now we have the time and a bit more money to start adding all the flexibility back into the engine. And finally, well, we read, it was a lot of work to do, but we're finally getting to the point where we think Hatch should be. And especially with the latest feature, that duplicate detection, that sort of, it's like a sort of single direction sync. Um, we have post resume coming as well, automatic redo and fill. Um, so you should be able to do basically anything to anything later on, except LTO again. Though. For those working with LTO, we have a new app. It's called Canister. We've created it together with MLogic. It's going to be free for MLogic users. MLogic is a hardware company. Yeah, they're a hardware uh, manufacturer and they create LTO to Thunderbolt devices. It's a really neat package. And they also have really nice M-Rate systems. It's like a big, uh, big Thunderbolt 3 rate, really fast. And the problem with LTO is that it really behaves differently than a hard drive. So you can't just write data to it. It will severely limit the lifespan of the 30-year tape if you, if you handle it as if it's a hard drive. So what we did is that we built a framework for it. It's called uh, LTO Kit. It's like Apple has IO Kit and AR Kit, and we well we built LTO Kit, which which is a framework that talks to LTO as if it's a hard drive, but underwater we handle all issues like illegal characters, namespacing, things like that, and that way you never have to go into terminal again because LTO is really an IT format used in video production. Talk a little bit about LTO just for those people that don't know what it is. All right, LTO is a tape, like a cassette, on steroids, I must add. There's like a kilometer of tape inside one cartridge. It stores, LTO 7 does six terabytes, I believe, and there's LTO 8 already, it's larger, and it's, it's the price per terabyte is extremely low, so it's a lot, lot, lot cheaper than hard disks, even the cheaper ones. Give me an example. I believe it's like uh, 60 cents per something. It's like extremely cheap. But the drive itself is expensive. So you need to spend between 2 and 5K to start with one single drive. And that's hard to do, hard to justify for a lot of smaller companies. But we see insurance companies demanding LTO tape creation for commercials on set, for example. Or if, you, if your production uh, budget exceeds x dollars then you need to do lto and with the ltos it's made by ibm it says it's all consortium but the drive is made by ibm and their roadmap is really great it's they they've the lto speed is already on par with hard drives and not with ssds yet of course but it will get there someday and so we think lto is really viable for video production in the coming 10 years and even with new technologies like storage dna's hypertape that was announced today which we will be supporting. Um, you can do direct access from tape. So you could do, if you have a frame-based codec and you write it to a tape, then normally retrieving that is file by file with a lot of stutters and it takes, takes a while. 
But with their technology, you can just stream it off, and you can use a tape directly in DaVinci, for example, without having a hard drive anymore. So that's that's a lot of going. There's a lot of stuff going on in the LTO world. We think so. It's a great technology, even if the underlying architecture is extremely archaic. We used example Apple Code, which is about 22 years old in our app. Just that's the it still works, but that's how old the whole instruction set is. So it's. It's hard to get software to do it right, but it's a great technology. It's and do you have any other products? Yeah, we have, well, we have this Connect app that was for free, the notifications app. Hatch is also available on Windows. And we have some news here. There's a Fulcat app. It does reports for red cameras. It already exists for five, six years. It's made by Fullcolor. It's the company that also does the awesome remote control software for red cameras. And they don't have the time to deliver, to put more time into Fullcat. So we've, we're doing a joint venture. We've taken over development of the whole app and still work together with them on the feature set. And we're releasing it today with Airy support as well. It's going to be 80 bucks available tonight. So it's, it's, we're breaking it out of the Red ecosystem into the whole world, basically. Awesome. Okay, tell me a little bit about the pricing structure. I've you were actually kind enough to give me a free copy of Hedge way back because I think I played an episode of our, or you, you listened to an episode of our podcast and you said I actually laughed out loud and for that you deserve a free copy, and and uh, but since then I've actually I think that free copy eventually stopped working and so I I bought one copy because I liked it so much and I think I bought another one and I I think I actually own three copies now but I'm not positive. Um, and then, and then at one point, I was able to purchase a, a one-month license for a reduced rate, twenty-five dollars or something like that. Or I'm not sure what the price yeah. is. Maybe you can go over the pricing of the products. We have we're extremely liberal in our licensing. Like a regular license is a hundred dollars for the Mac or for Windows. Uh, you can get a under fifty dollars. You get a license that works on both. But we don't work on a comp per computer basis. If you, let's say you have five Macs, but you're a one-man operation, then you'll use Hedge on just one. Well, you get one seat, activate all five. We don't mind. It's fine. And it's an honor system. So as soon as you get someone else in and you start using Hedge on two machines, just add another license. And our licenses are perpetual. So you buy a license, it works forever, but you get a year of updates. So each update within that year from purchase is free and you'll, you'll end up with that version for the rest of your life. Or you renew at some time, and a renew is half of the money. And we don't want to force you into renewing each year. It's not a subscription. We want you to renew when you think it's worth a new feature is worth renewing. So that way we get feedback from you if we're on the right course. Gives you a seat at the table. It's actually really smart. Yeah, well, we, it's the only way for us to survive. We, we need feedback from you guys because you know way better how things should work than we do. We know how to build software, we know how to create great interfaces, we like to design, and we have domain knowledge, but the problem with moving out of video production into software is that you, it's easy to disconnect from real-day practices. So we need your feedback, and we think our licensing system is a good way of enforcing that. Because if we do, a feed, if we do an update and nobody renews, that was a bad choice, and then we can reach out to people, like, why is that? Why didn't that work out? Is the feature not good enough? Or, and likewise, we did the duplicate detection. Everybody was, whoa, that's awesome. So that works. That's awesome. I, I wish some other software companies, there's one up there in the corner of this, of this uh, hall that I wish they would do that. Uh, <laughs> and if 
to be for some people it's even that a hundred dollar price point is steep because we're bottom up we like everybody to use it as instead of finer don't use finer if you can tell us why not finer the technology underneath finer is great technology there's really apple does a great job but the 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 reason the copy method that Finder uses exists is that it's built for copying within a drive. And the file system of drive has all kinds of safety measures to making sure that goes right. And there's nothing destructive going on either. You're not moving, if you're moving a file, you're not deleting the original. It's so there's, in video production, you're deleting originals. So you need to, so you're creating a new single point of failure. And the only way to make sure you have no issues in that single port of failure is to do a checksum. And uh, Finer does some kind of checksums, but they don't report it. So you can't reuse those checksums. So if you want to do a checksum, you need to do it twice, the whole reprocess, and that's too slow. So you need to do checksums while copying to create them, to be able to use them later on for verification, or at even some later time you create a report and then you give a travel drive to a customer and then he can re-verify that drive before putting it into the archive or onto LTO, something like that. So, so Finder is great technology, but it's just not suited enough or not on purpose enough for video production. I think if you have one failure once in a hundred times on Finder, which is probably even over overestimating, it's still very annoying. It is, it's always annoying, but the problem is it's not predictable. It will happen at some time. And you I mean, may not even know. We see issues because checksums can have collisions, and especially with metadata files, smaller files, then the entropy is small. So the collision rate of a crypto, crypto algorithm is high. So the chances for a collision are pretty high. And we see, we do uh, uh, anonymous statistics in our apps. There's an analytics engine in there to keep the copy engine in check to make sure that it does what it should do. And from that, we learned that checksums have an error rate about once in a million times, a bit less, 985k. And that's, that's not good enough. So even checksums don't cut it. It's, it's not good enough. There's no, there used to be in IT, there used to be this vision of, well, when, when we do a checksum, that's the new truth. From there on, we're good. But there is no thing as a absolute truth anymore with storage. It's all volatile. So. We prefer to work on a system called continuous verification. We've been t in talks with larger companies to do every step in the process, a new verification, add that to a sort of ledger, like blockchain, you'd call it. Um, and then there's a track record. There's like snapshots of what went where, what went with which hardware. And then you see patterns emerging in why are things going wrong. And we don't see a pattern in file size. We don't see a pattern in file extensions, like file types. It's just sheer luck. So it's an entropy problem, basically. Okay, so I think most of the audience is now dozed off. Um, but luckily, their Connect app will wake them up. Anyway. <laughs> so, no, this is awesome. We love nerdy. Uh, tell us briefly, you did say a, a slight amount about what a, what a checksum is, but give a, a one minute explanation of a checksum. Um, it's a digital fingerprint. Let's say you have a file of 1 MB and it says uh, a 0 and a 1 and a 0 and a 1 and a 0 and a 1. And let's say you add the first four characters to the second batch of four. And then you add those and then the sum is four. And then you add the third one and then the sum is six. And you iterate through all that kind. And then in the end, you'll have a integer of that file. 
that's a fingerprint. And it's a lot more advanced than that. And it's not about integers, but it's hexadecimal and binary stuff going on and multi-trading and stuff. But basically, that's what is happening. It's, uh, it's the same thing with your uh, bank account number. The last number is a check. It's like a sum, summation of all the other numbers. See, I didn't even know that. That way, you know the number is an existing number. And it's the same with a checksum. You know, if, if, if you have this fingerprint and only if the fingerprint is identical, then the file will be identical. The fingerprint is identical on the source and the destination. Exactly. But there's an issue with that because files are getting so large. It's, we see a lot of 20 gig files being transferred. And if a checksum, let's say that costs you five minutes to copy. And then the checksum generation costs five minutes as well. Or it happens at the same time, but it costs you a lot of time. If, if you want to redo it, it costs you a lot of time. So let's say this checksum fails on a file. A checksum only tells you it's different, but it doesn't tell you in which rate, which amount the file is corrupted. So we have this little tool in-house that we use to identify, to diff two files. And we see a lot of times happening that if you have a 20 gig file and you have a failing checksum, that's just four bytes that got flipped. And the footage is cool. It's good. There's nothing wrong with it. So we're trying to do some research and development into how could we determine, even if a checksum is wrong, if the contents are still good, good enough. Because it could be that it's all scrambled and then it's not good. You get purple stuff in your glitter or whatever inside your footage. That's not good. Some codecs are really forgiving in some bit flips somewhere. So we're doing R&D into maybe there's a better way of doing this kind of stuff. More suited for large files. That's really, really interesting. You guys are really smart. Okay, so so talk, uh, speaking about how smart you are, how did you actually get to this point? What's your history? I know you talked about a documentary. Tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and also the history of the company. I started this company with my partner, Rulof, and we were both live sound engineers. We toured with bands. I used to work for Marillion, the singer of Fish. And um, he, after a few years, got into programming through an arts education. And he worked on the whole, if you see Madonna flying through a stadium or Rammstein on moving hoists, he built that, the software for it. And I went a different path. I went into audio mastering and acoustics. And then someday I was asked for a Dutch TV show to help out on a microphone issue. They had this problem and they needed a specialty microphone. So I designed a microphone array for them. And because it was experimental, I just needed to sit there for the whole duration of the show, basically, which was two weeks, long days. And it was quite boring because it worked. And there was this guy running around and being really stressed out, but turned out to be 15 cameras. <laughs> it's 12 hour shoots, it's long, there's a lot of data. And he was using Finer to back up. And it was like having all these guys, which, which card did I do? And they're all named the same. And the footage is all named the same. And you have the issue with Canon that there's only 999 files. And then it re- Sony where it's just zero to Exactly. So many zero, 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 zeros. And I was feeling for that guy. So I'm like, hey, let's help you out. I'll write a little uh, Apple script that at least renames the disks for you. Like this is camera 12, camera 12. It's instead of untitled. That's the start. And then I... Helped them out. Now let's advance a bit more on this. Let's put finer tags on stuff that's uh, been transcoded. And let's do... Uh, in the end, we, we just copy the files even. And then <coughs> uh, the next year, he said, you, know, you do it. 
Sure, and, and I brought in a friend to do the, all the audio stuff because I didn't have time to do the audio stuff there. And he was a programmer at that time, Thomas. And uh, we, in four years' time, we created this whole Apple script, just keep adding stuff, copying, verification. And we didn't know anything about this space. We didn't know there was software that did that. We Googled it, but it was like, yeah, we had Chronosync, and that was way too slow, even then. As this is seven years back. So we built our, basically our own major Apple script, which was only usable for ourselves. And then after four seasons, the show stopped. And we just ventured on into mastering and audio. And, but we were like, we got this sort of great thing. And we started working on it for a year. Can we turn this into a, into a company? Can we do data handling as a thing? But the Netherlands are way too small for a dedicated DIT company. So then we said, well, it's not going to be a service. Then it has to be a product. So we need a real programmer. That's when Rulof came in. And, well, pretty quickly it turned seriously. And we said, well, we, it, if we want to do something with this, we need to do, be able to do it full time. So I went looking for investors. And I found them a month later. It was pretty easy. Backside. And, and then we, then we re-envisioned the whole thing and that turned out to be Hatch, basically. So it's all a long process. It's, I think, yeah, seven years in the making. But Hatch itself, we started working two and a half years ago on. Like the first lines of codes two and a half years ago. Mm. It's been well, quite right. <laughs> I think you guys are doing great. Um, I know you have a couple competitors, but uh, I don't even use those products anymore. So I'm really happy with your product. Well, there, there's a lot of competitors in the space on the same level as we are and also above us. We, we think Silverstack is awesome software for DITs. It's, that's really great advanced stuff. And we don't see ourselves as competitors, more like in, you can use it in conjunction if you're a DIT. Use Silverstack because you need metadata, you need reports, you need coloring stuff and use hedge just for fast transfers that's that's what we're for and then perfect for my for my setups well honestly we could probably be talking for another several hours on all this maybe we should have a beer later on <laughs> actually we're going to continue this because i think we're going to go to ibc which you're yeah. located right hometown so we'll we'll visit you at ibc in amsterdam thanks so it's really nice meeting you really appreciate your time this is Keith Moreau signing off for TechMove. Checksumming, uh, mm -hmm. backups, yep. uh, all the techie stuff. That is Paul Matthias Lombert from Hedge and our yep. very own Keith Moreau and the NAB 2016 coverage from TechMove. Keith, uh, you use the software, right? You continuously have used the software. Yeah, I've used it for a couple of years. Since I first got it, yeah, and, yeah. and well, and, so tell me this, uh, you know, all that techie stuff—that's all great. What yeah. does it mean to me as a filmmaker that you're able to back up your stuff using this software? Well, just give it to me in plain English. Um, it's fast and reliable. That's good that's, enough for and, me. Yeah, and it's 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 well, maybe one word. It's simple. Yeah, it's not, it's not overly complicated. So, so, to, so is it essentially like? You know, of course, it does everything in the background, clicking and dragging to another folder, and there you are, you're backed up type of thing. It's slightly more complicated than using the Finder, uh -huh. but but not much. Okay. You basically have your your um, cards on your on the left side of the 
the left pane. Like you've got this, you've got this kind of big bucket in the middle, a big pane in the middle of all your different possible drives and things, including cards and stuff like that. And then you drag the source to the left, and you drag the destination to the right, and then you click transfer, and then it starts. So if you want it to, it, that's as simple as it gets. You can make it a little bit more complicated by setting the destination folder and other things, but which I which I do. Although that wasn't really po possible into the recent version. Like it was so basic that you could just basically copy from one 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 card and it would make a new folder on the other drive, and you couldn't really you couldn't really burrow into destination places. But now you can do that, and you can do it with multiple cards. So I have I have different destinations depending on the card. Um, even if they might be in the same drive or they're in different folders. So yeah. I'll, and, and it, it didn't used to do this. You used to have to just do basically one copy at a time. And then uh, they would always kind of be in the root. So now uh, you can set a source and a destination for multiple cards, you know, like when you're doing five or six cards from a big shoot all at once. So you don't have to stay there and then do push the next card in, put the next card in. You can just put them all in once you, if you have enough readers, and I've got tons of readers, so I just put all the cards in, do this little thing, it takes about five minutes to set up all the different destinations, and then hit go, and then done. And then it also gives you notifications once it's done, give, so I can tell. Give me a, give me a, like a real, uh, uh, well, as accurate example as you can as far as speed goes. What are we talking? You know, like oh. you say it's fast. Like you know, let's say you know, uh, give me an example of like a you know, I don't know one gig file, two gig file, whatever it is, and you're backing it up. Uh, can you or is, <laughs> or is that not is that not a good example? Well, I could give it if I I remembered exactly how all this stuff goes because a lot of it has to do with the, the speed the re the reading speed of uh of your card yeah and also the writing speed of your destination ah, but it's okay. faster than using the f i think it's faster than using the finder like if you just drag and drop it's faster than that plus it has the verification aspect to it yeah which is which is really helpful away. which is really yeah. helpful on that yeah I used to use this thing called ChronoSync to do the same oh, thing oh i remember that i think we did yeah. a segment of that on uh on tech move early on yeah and ChronoSync is pretty geeky and and really i think maybe even more reliable than than hedge although hedge is probably as reliable as you could possibly want but chronos is probably even more reliable in case that one in a million bad checksum happens to you because it would actually read back read it back and verify it and i think hedge actually does it now i think the very newest version even has that level of verification like if you're really paranoid and you have the time then you might want to use that method and i probably will because you, you never know um because there's some there's some algorithm there's some chance of error in the algorithm that anybody uses for for verification if it's this fast check something verification that that hedge uses so the real way to make sure that it's perfect is to read back every single byte that you've copied and compare it to the source and uh, that's what I do when I duplicate drives when I when I duplicate really big drives you know like if I'm recovering from some you know disaster which happens every other week with right. me on hard drives right. which I'm going to talk about in the next segment I think Anyway, <laughs> but tremendous, the, yeah. But the, uh, yeah, and you could talk, and and we got a little history from Paul too, which I think he enjoyed. Yeah, you know, and what I was, I you know, once I kind of my eyes rolled back in the back of my head with all the checksum and stuff, uh, <laughs> but then you know his background of you know being a sound engineer, uh, you know that sparked. I'm sure that sparks your interest too. You being one as well. 
Yeah. And uh, but uh, I'm actually quite familiar with the uh, act that he mentions that he used to engineer for, which is uh, Marlion. And uh, specifically, I think the singer's name is Fish uh, out mm-hmm. in the UK. And uh, they were very famous uh, in the 80s. Uh, Marlion was for a hit song called Kaylee. And uh, that was a huge hit out here in the States. Um, and let me look it up real quick because I, I wonder what it charted. But uh, um, but it was a, it, it was a really... Uh, uh, really big big hit and uh for him to you know um be engineer and then kind of move uh you know move into this type of thing yeah you know pretty neat was it was it like a dance no i wouldn't say it was a it was a dance thing it was kind of more artsy fartsy uh uh song uh okay I, i i i i encourage you to to, to give it a listen but it was yeah uh, it was, i just pulled it up on itunes and i played a little bit while you were talking yeah 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 it's Kaylee, uh yeah Kaylee, it's, um, yeah part of the marley on essential collection yeah that, yeah well because that's pretty much the one huge hit although i th- <laughs> i do think that this guy fish i think he's like a national hero uh in the uk oh really so, okay. yeah he's he's some huge yeah and, and i think he still tours you know today so wow uh, they go back pretty far yeah i'll see it peaked at number two in the uk on the singles chart and was on there for 14 weeks and uh mm. but i don't know what it uh, let's see it became the first sole appearance of the band oh it oh wow i guess it didn't do so great here in the states it hit number 74 in uh 1985 so it wasn't it, at least it was oh. in the top 100 but that's um, not bad but that goes back pretty far well, yeah that's, that's pretty cool so i didn't realize he was that old this guy because he looks pretty young he looks young yeah he yeah. looks young i mean well, un- well, although maybe was... it was Mar- maybe it was marley and like when they were you know past their prime because I, I just uh i just pulled up a picture and they all look pretty old oh uh, uh <laughs> fish is uh he, he's an older guy i think he's in his mid-60s by now so okay uh okay. yeah he's he's in yeah he's an older guy so okay anyway well, nice yeah. uh, nice little claim to fame i like that yeah, so that was uh, cool and he was a really cool guy and he yeah. enjoyed the interview and yeah and i and, and i and i enjoyed uh 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 learning a little bit about that stuff too so that was good stuff yeah anyway great uh thanks to paul thanks to keith uh mm-hmm. thank you very much and uh-huh. uh we'll have more of our nab 2018 uh right after we take a quick little break right here on tech Well, that is uh, going to do it for us and our coverage of NAB 2018. Uh, Keith, I think overall a pretty good show, uh, considering that really there wasn't a ton that was really to be expected. Would you agree? Uh, I, we weren't really. There was nothing really earth-shattering that we were waiting to see during NAB, right? Yeah, not not in my my uh wheelhouse or my realm our realm yeah maybe maybe for broadcasters or some other people there were some things but no it was pretty not too many new announcements i think the biggest announcement camera wise was the uh 
Blackmagic uh, announcement of their Pocket 4K. Oh, right. Um, I think that was the biggest thing, and it's not out yet, and you know who knows when it's going to be out. So, but still, um, when it does come out, it might be pretty cool. Yeah. 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 But uh, but in that, everything's pretty pretty standard stuff. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so you know, I mean, out of all the NABs, uh, you know. Very informative. I think this this was still, and you know, in some ways, when when they're not introducing some stuff, it gives us a little bit more time to kind of delve into some of uh, some of the other things that maybe don't get the headlines. Yeah, I think so, and also just focusing on, I don't know. Sometimes the smaller companies and the the less formal companies are more interesting, you know, because they get. I mean, maybe because they're not so into saying the same thing about this new product over and over and over and over again, they can get into more detail about something else. Maybe that's kind of what you're saying. So yeah, yeah. so that's I think that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. And also just me being more relaxed and and crazy with everybody and not caring. Well, and you know helps. what, <laughs> and, and you know what, congratulations because the equipment this time sounded even more fantastic than it usually does. So well, thank you. So, so yeah, that, that was really good. Thanks, and thanks to Veronica for helping out with yeah, that. Yeah, thank you, Veronica. She's very good at crowd control and aiming the camera. Yeah, no, that's and that's quite the skill. So yeah, you can, and I think in a couple shots you can see her hand coming out and you know pretty much karate chopping people out of the way. Good, good, so. good, 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 good. <laughs> well, uh, so so our next uh, show that we'll be uh, visiting will probably be what Cinegear. Yep, that's coming up. That's uh, early June. Okay. So, yeah, so uh, ho- hopefully there'll be some stuff there. Uh, yes. You know, before we sign off, though, mm. uh, there's always a continuing uh, saga with Keith Moreau, and that is a um, backup disaster. Oh, yes. Uh, Another one. And uh, so uh, I know that you wanted to share a little bit uh, with the good folks at home, and so yes. why don't you uh, set us off a little bit here? Yes. So this was when was this? This this I think was actually the 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 beginning of NAB, right before I left, like the day before I left. So I had a couple projects kind of done. It wasn't luckily I wasn't right in the middle of a project. I think I I just delivered a project basically, a really big one, and I, it was done. It was gone, and so I have this thing where okay, so I have this com- this thing called Backblaze. It's a it's a backup service, right? I think I've talked about it. It's actually yeah. really great. It's a really great service. I, I recommend it to everybody. But I think I've taxed Backblaze to the limit because um, you know they have this personal service which is really cheap. It's only like five dollars a month, and it's unlimited backups as long as the drives are connected to your computer. It doesn't do network drives. It doesn't do NASs. It just does stuff that's physically connected to your computer. Um, but if it's connected to your computer, it's unlimited backup. So I actually have about 70 terabytes stored in the cloud on Backblaze. So, so what happened was when I, um, migrated from my old Mac pro cheese grater to my new iMac, um, there's a way to, when you change computers, when you upgrade your computers, there's a way to inherit all the drives and, and the startup drives and everything from the old computer to the new computer. It's kind of the process. It's called inherit backup state. And you do that with Backblaze, and then Backblaze will essentially just try to use all the data and kind of change it over to your new computer. 
And I've, I think I've done it successfully before once or twice. I haven't changed computers too often. Yeah. But I think, I think I've done it when I, the, the previous time. And sometimes it does it. It's the same thing when you change startup disk. You know, like if you upgrade your startup disk, it's the same thing. It thinks that the computer's different. So um, anyway, so it didn't, unfortunately, I think because I have so much stuff in the Beckblaze database is so big and maybe a little bit corrupted, um, it did not do this, did not successfully do this inherit backup state. And it just, I just, I tried it like a thousand times and I also read about it online and, and it just, sometimes when you're, when you're backups, when you have too much data or too many files, it just doesn't work. So I said, okay, that's fine. So my, my kind of backup solution or my alternate solution was to have two different sets of backups, one for my old computer and one for the new computer. So I'd still have all this stuff backed up in the cloud. I still have to pay $5 a month for the old computer, but that's paltry compared to all this data. Is it, you following me? Oh yeah. So yeah. So, but the problem is with Backblaze is that you have to basically check in your computer and update it and connect to Backblaze every thirty days, or else it starts the drives that it's backed up start going away. Oh, so you do? Do you have to actively kind of like self time yourself as to when yeah. to do this? Well, there is luckily Backblaze gives you a warning about drives that ha- drives and computers that have not been connected to their system. So they email you and they also give you other notifications. And so it, it, it tells you, but I also do have like something in my calendar reminding me. So at about 25 days, I start thinking about plugging my old computer in and all this, all the same drives, which are connected to my new computer now, yeah. but they haven't been completely uploaded yet. So to preserve the backup of those old computers, I need to, it needs to see those online with the old computer. Uh, the old drives need to be connected to the old computer. And then I need to connect to Backblaze. So I had already done this like maybe once or twice, this refreshing thing. It takes about a day. It it communicates with Backblaze and then Black Backblaze shows that the there's that the, the timer is reset. So now I have another thirty days from that point. Which is you which is good. Yeah. Because then yeah, you just reset the clock. Yeah. So basically every every month or so I go through a little bit of trouble of of turning off my computer, plugging it, uh, and my drives and then turning on on my old computer and pl- plugging all the drives in and 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 attaching to backblaze and it's about a day. I just do it overnight and it in a night in one night it can check that all the drives are updated and might update a couple little things here and there. Anyway, for some reason when I did it this time uh it started deleting uh, my my drives uh started getting deleted. And it, it was not backblaze's fault at all. Oh, it was not. But okay. No, it wasn't. It was related, I believe, to the software that I use called SoftRaid, which I use on a couple massive drives I have. It's a way of software reading um, enclosures that have can can present themselves as a, a bunch of uh, different drives. They're called JBOD enclosures. Okay. And then the software in your computer looks at all those separate drives and then raids them together, so they're super fast. Um, so, and it's a really good way to. Uh, get a lot of performance, but through software of of a drive rather than having the enclosure doing all the rating because then you get health monitoring and other stuff that the software provides. So it's actually theoretically a really good system, but for some reason with me and my computer and a couple uh, raids that I had used with software, it just, it just got corrupt. These things just got corrupted. These drives got corrupted hmm. volumes, I guess. Yeah. And one just disappeared, and then when I tried to remount it, it couldn't. It said it could not recognize the drive. I tried using Disk Warrior on it. So basically, it happened to my internal drive, 
that, um, that I had a, uh, that I was pretty much using as my main drive it, 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 and on my old computer. And then it happened also to an older backup. So two software drives just suddenly just basically went away. <laughs> And there was nothing I could do to recover them. How big were like these a, drives? Did you? They're say? like twelve terabytes. What? And and these and this is like my these are like my main drives. Like this was my main drive in my computer that has all my documents in it, because I don't store my documents onto my SSDs. I store them on this drive. So it was like really really scary, and and would these the be recent files that that you had and stuff like that? Well, there were. Um, yeah, they were very, very recent files. In fact, one of the f one of the things that got that got hosed was our one of our tech moves. Oh no! Like two, like two or three sessions of our tech move recordings. That's why the last tech move that was out, I think, episode forty one. My my sound is really bad because I'm using your Skype of me ah, in, yeah. in in two or three of the the segments. Well, see, little so. do you know is that I just actually sabotaged you, <laughs> so you wouldn't, so I would have the spotlight. <laughs> And that Why does uh, Keith sound, sound so crappy? Right. Sounds oh, excellent. but Rodney sounds so robust <laughs> and refined. Yeah. So, anyway, so that's what happened, and and so I was, and I had one backup left, which was, um, fairly you know fairly recent backup, but still, it was my only one left, and it and it was also a soft raid volume, and I didn't really know what to do. I felt like I better not. While it's still healthy, I better take it offline right. before it starts erasing itself somehow. Because <laughs> I had no idea what was causing it. And I sent all these messages to the software people. What's going on? Why is this happening? You know, Did they respond? I mean, I was, yeah, they did. They have really excellent support. So that's one thing about software is their support. And I think it's this one guy named Mark. But he is awesome. He's like there 24-7. I don't know. He doesn't seem to sleep. Um <laughs> or he's just works at home or whatever, but right. he, they're really good. And, um, as far as support goes, but he really couldn't help me with it. He couldn't, he suggested a couple things. He said, yesterday, send a log. Now I was in NAB, so I couldn't send the log. So I had to wait till I get, got home to do that. And, but by that time I figured you know, all the data was hosed. Luckily I had this drive, which was pretty recent. It was like maybe two days old. Um, and, Luckily, like two days before, I had, had done a full backup on it. I had I had been kind of one of the situations where it was kind of lagging, and I wasn't backing up to it because I just switched over from my iMac and all this stuff, and it was complicated. And but luckily, like two or three days before, I said, you know, I better do a, I better figure out why this is not backing up and start doing the backup. And it, I did it, and so so I I really had this pretty fresh backup of only two days old stuff. Um, but I didn't want to plug it in because it was also a soft raid volume. So I was really paranoid about losing this final volume, which was pretty much everything. So what I did was Backblaze, which is pretty cool. Um, I, I checked on Backblaze to see when the, the latest upload was, and they, they hadn't uploaded too much. The The most recent upload they had um, for for my my startup drive or my, my main data drive was like a month old. Okay. But I kind of felt like a month old was still better than nothing. Yeah, it, um, but it was in one of those situations where the original drive that was backed off off my Mac Pro was gone, so I couldn't back up from that. That was the one that got totally deleted <laughs> by SoftRaid or whatever. <laughs> right. So, but I had a month old version of that when I last backed up my Mac Pro, 
So I ordered from Backblaze, and they have this really cool service where you order up to a four terabyte drive of whatever data you can fit onto that four terabytes, and you pay about $290 for it. And so I, I ordered two drives because it was basically about about eight terabytes of data, a little bit less. So I ordered two of those for $400, and they, they copy all the data that you specify on there. So I had to kind of make four terabytes fit on each one by selecting folders and stuff like that. And it wasn't that hard. And then they sent it to me. Uh, by the time I got back from NAB, I think it had arrived, these two little four terabyte drives. So I had that. Um, and I was able to use my kind of you know, four-day-old backup to restore to another drive. But I decided not to use SoftRaid for those JBODs anymore. It's just too risky. If I had another couple issues happen with it, with the same config configuration. I just don't trust it, unfortunately. And I don't mean to disparage the company. I think it's awesome. ODBC and other companies use that software. It's just for me, whatever, I have not had good luck with it. It's mm. just not worth it. So... So I just decided to get some dro some fast faster new tech new technology drobos, um, oh okay to, re to replace those two main drives. So I had, I got two of the five D uh, drobos. They're Thunderbolt three, five bay drobos. And, and, and so now you're no longer technically going to back up to the cloud. You're going to do it locally now. Um, no, I'm still going to back up to the cloud because that. That was really very convenient. I'm always going to do that. I just I'm not going to use SoftRaid to create these large fast volumes oh, okay. anymore. Um, I just can't afford to like use it and have things deleted. It was like the most horrifying thing I've ever experienced. So it was really stressful. So did you lose absolutely everything? I mean, is it just gone, 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 or did you have something I, else? I lost everything, but about three days of stuff, including those couple tech moves. But I didn't lose anything else. Luckily, I had all my projects and my Premiere Pro and all my editing and footage all in other drives. It wasn't on my main drive. So all, all that's on my main drive is all my kind of like personal and business stuff. Not not like video data, but more like documents, you know, right. like invoices and yeah. tech move, couple- Business you know, stuff. Business stuff, yeah. But it's personal still a lot of stuff. stuff. Yeah. It's like, you know, decades of stuff. Sure. So for me to lose that would have been really horrible. So I was pretty scared for a few days. Oh, really, huh. really paranoid. Like I just, that one drive that was three days old, I just shut it down. I didn't plug it in or anything. I just had it set aside because I didn't know if it was going to start erasing itself. Sure. Sure. Um, you, you don't know what little minions inside and just yes. start deleting stuff. Yes. And it was so weird. And it only seemed to happen to these JBOD software uh, volumes. It happened to three, three different volumes, hmm. uh, like within the space of uh, like 24 hours. And, uh, but luckily this one, uh, this one drive that was my backup was not a soft raid raid. It was actually its own raid. It was, it, it, it's a box that does its own rating raid mm -hmm. five. Right. And so I, I felt after I determined that, cause I looked at the physically looked at the box and looked at the switches and everything. And it wasn't set to JBOD mode. It was set to, it was set to its own raid five mode. So I figured it, it's not going to get erased by soft raid. And it wasn't. So after I came back, I verified that, and I was a little bit felt a little bit better about it. But still, that was pretty much the only copy of my data. Wow. Yeah. That so is, that is pretty scary. Yeah. Especially it's, for it's, you because you you've just got so much stuff. I know. I know. Yeah. But I got the the Drobo Five D, which I like a lot, and um, it's maybe not quite as fast as the Softraid, like a lot 
like a lot slower than the soft raid volumes, but I feel a lot more secure with it. Um, just having this hardware raid, but also the Drobo technology. And it's got five, it's got um, a total of five drive, five eight terabyte drives in it. So it can hold a lot of data. Yeah. Um, and I actually have it also now, I'm even par- more pairing it. Now I have other other drives time machining to that drive and, you know, so I can get incremental backups to it. And the first time I've used time machine in a while. But yeah. anyway. That's great. Well, yeah, good. so that's my that's my kind of disaster, but recovery. Um, but just even if you got stuff backed up, you never know when some weird thing's going to happen to your drives. <laughs> yeah, you know? I mean, uh, the, the, uh, exactly. I think that uh, <laughs> let this be a le- uh, well. You know, that's what you always uh, tell us is that you know back up and back up again. You know, yes, yes. Uh, you use uh, you know different technologies whatever it is but keep backing up keep backing up and then always have maybe even a backup even if it's a month old it's still you've only lost a month of data instead of you know all your data right so good well uh hey very valuable lesson Mm -hmm. thank you keith for uh for sharing that with us because we all know that uh uh me and our audience can always laugh at your misfortunes, uh, especially when it comes to that kind of stuff. So thank you for always being entertaining. Oh, uh, yes. I'll be sure to have another disaster soon. <laughs> well, you know what? You can always count on it. Anyway, uh, Keith, we got to end this, uh, this uh, uh, episode right here. But, it was, okay. uh, but it's been a fantastic one. And uh, thank you very much for uh, doing your coverage at NAB. You're and uh, thanks to, you know, all the guests that we've had. And uh, we want to thank the listening audience for joining us. Uh, we also want to encourage all of you guys to not only uh, check out our web page, uh, which is techmovepodcast.com, but uh, also make sure that you subscribe to us on iTunes and all those other great things that we incessantly tell you about. Uh, Keith, I think you also uh, uh, we we have a YouTube channel. Is that correct? Yeah, let me let me check that out. Let I don't even see. know if it really exists. I don't know if we really paid the rent on that or not. But uh, no, it's definitely there. Oh, okay, good, good. good I think good. it's I think it's just Tech Move Podcast. Let me see. I I mean uh, that would be excellent if it, if it was. Yeah, let me see if you. Yeah, let me see where where you could find it. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Sorry, I'm I'm just looking. Oh, on I see here. it. You're right. Tech Move Podcast. Oh, you did. You did. You found it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and uh, boy, we have a ton of subscribers. It's probably you and me. I think subscribers. <laughs> so it's it's. Really, it's um, I think there's only one. There's only one thing on there. There's only one video right now. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna start uploading all the stuff to that to that, that channel. Previously, it was on my own channel. Okay. But I'm just oh. I created this one. I I appreciate that. That's great. I'll be uh I'll be uh putting up uh vacation videos of myself. Uh yeah, suntanning. Suntanning I think, or something. I think you should. So uh <laughs> so yeah, so just uh get on YouTube and search Tech Move Podcast and we're there. You'll see our whopping one, po- quite possibly two videos uh that will be there pretty soon. We'll build more content as we uh as we move along here, it only takes us about five years to get these things launched. So, uh, 
<laughs> but uh, hey, anyway, thank you very much to everybody for uh, for participating and listening, and thank you folks for joining us here on this uh, special uh, episode of Tech Move. Uh, for Keith Moreau, I have been Rod Louie, and we once again thank you so much for joining us on Tech Move. We'll see you next time.